How's your ankle? That's leaking. Something bit my ankle or someone. Who would have thought you'd get a mosquito bite in November? It's not a mosquito. <laughs> no, I swear <laughs> to God. Get it together. Guys, Dublin <laughs> murders, Dublin mosquitoes. Is it real itchy? Yeah, it is. It was itching me last night. I had my fluffy penny socks on in the bed. Stop scratching it. No, I'm just giving it a little poke so it pisses off for a while. This is TV Worth Talking About. Shrine Podcasts presents Dublin Murders. Hi. You're listening to Shrine Podcast Presents Dublin Murders. We are here to discuss the final two episodes of what was an incredible piece of Irish and British and American television. I absolutely loved it. I'm Hannah. I'm Brendan. And I'm Rebecca. And it's just very exciting, isn't and it? And I loved it. I'm so happy. I'm a bit like I'm a bit too hyper to introduce the podcast in a normal way. Like it was so good. Can I make a big claim? Go on. I preferred the final episode oh, of I prefer the final episode of Dublin Murders to the final episode of season five of Line of Duty. It was better. I thought it was my favorite ever television finale. It wrapped mostly everything up. <laughs> Hannah's face, you know, because no, I'm just like, yeah, it was I amazing. absolutely loved every moment of it. Uh, there was some scenes that were so cleverly shot that made the suspense even more juicy. Couldn't and agree more. Yeah. Engaging, and I honestly absolutely loved it. I watched it so many times. There was enough <laughs> left on a cliffhanger as well. Like we got some bits in a bow. Yeah. But yeah. some bits we don't know. And yeah. I like that because life isn't perfect and we want season two. And it was a bit, you know, what's and the word? Spooky. Yeah. And it didn't go it didn't go sci-fi fantasy. Thank God for me. Yeah, but it's a bit ambiguous now. Yeah, there's two little bits that I that we didn't get answers on. Yes. So like dead Lexi, still don't read it. Like who's this random one that's identical to Cassie? That will come back. Do you think? Ah, uh, yeah. I don't think it will, guys. And uh, will. One? Oh, the other thing was Jamie and Peter. Peter, they just vanished. Yeah. So are we just to take that at that? I don't know. It, it, the it's kind of one of those things it's like it's up to the audience to decide but there's so many ways that it could be explained at the yeah. same time I was so happy though like such good closure yeah when I was watching like maybe halfway through the second episode I was like so gripped and I just caught myself for a second I'm like this is the most I've enjoyed a TV show in yeah. ages yeah. like this is like now one of my favourite TV shows ever and I know yeah. like people were confused and we all got a little bit confused at times but that made the satisfaction even more what's the word I just made it more satisfying, satisfying. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> absolutely no I just loved it I loved it, it is 110% getting a season 2 well and a season 3 hopefully yeah it must it all depends on ratings I presume I think it was I read well, it, somewhere that was like six million people or yeah, something have been watching. Didn't, it. So basically, the first episode of Dublin Murders opened to a higher audience than, than the, the first, first episode, episode of Line, Line of Duty did. Yeah, yeah. That's so a that's fact. a good start. So the first season of Line of Duty, I think it was like three point six million or something like that. It was averaging, and yeah. this apparently is up in the six million. So yeah, come on, and it hasn't even opened in America yet. Yeah. Yeah, which gave us mad. season two, and and also we we know that the second book is. Frank is the main detective in the second, or in, sorry, in the third book. Frank is one of my favorite. So, characters um, can you imagine if we found out more about Frank in a TV He's show? He's my favorite character in this. Yeah, I, I actually love loads of characters in this. I love him. I love Sam. Look, 
Yeah. Like, love Sam. You love Sam in a special way. I do. You <laughs> cuddlies. And, like, he's Friend so talk about him all week. We, we were writing our WhatsApp group earlier on. Friend was like, I realised I fancy Mo Dunford so much. And I was like, yeah, you just feel like he would really make you feel secure and safe in his arms. Yeah. <laughs> in his big arms. In his arms, and yeah. his chest. Yeah. Oh. oh. He wrote his um, name over and over again in his notes. <laughs> Uh, also, guys, one those little love sums where you add your names up and see what I'm trying to get, get? The, the name of the actress who played Rosalind. Oh, Rosalind. oh honey, your future is bright. Yeah. What a twisty bitch. <laughs> it was, uh, I was feeling at the TV, guys. fun must that have been to play? Makes a lot of sense now because she whipped them sexy clothes out of that caravan park pretty quick <laughs> and for that there was lingerie. And you know, you go from no sh- bra to full <laughs> negligee. Actually... And there isn't a shop within miles of Clarahead, let me tell you. <laughs> I've been there. So she had there. The caravan park. We're back at this uproar on Twitter, and I mean Fuck. two whole tweets about yeah. why you oh didn't God. tell us your bra theory last week. My bra theory now, uh, I wish I could turn around and say it was, I knew I predicted the whole thing, but I didn't. Go back into the past and just tell but us. Back from in there. the past at that moment in time, last week we did find out about the Sandra Scully, the, the, her rape, and um, how Jonathan was involved, and um, we were kind of questioning. What if there was abuse going on in the home and why Rosalind was, you, you know, the, the family definitely had its strange. Yeah. Yeah. Like it was yeah. a weird family. Mm-hmm. Right. So anyway, my theory was that Rosalind didn't wear a bra because Jonathan was so overprotective um, after what he did to Sandra. Usually people and parents are worried about what may happen to their kids because they know there's evil out there. It's like a cheater in the relationship. It's like you're cheating on me, but they're cheating on you. So he he was the evil, so he was like, oh my God, I know what, what could happen to my daughter. Yeah. And in a way, Sandra, uh, which is, this is the worst thing ever, like people always use the excuse, oh, what's the word? Well, when they talk about like sexual assault, mm. oh, you're wearing a short skirt, you're mm. acting for it, but you were asking for it. And I think w- with Sandra, she was hanging out with the lads. I'd say that was the type of attitudes that she would have got towards her from, for instance, Mrs. Fitzgerald. Yeah, Rebecca, yeah or she was asking for it. She was asking for it. I feel like that. Listen, I just think that that was what I thought at the time, but now we know that Rosin's actually a psycho. But to be honest so. with you, that might be that might still be correct. Like just because she's a psycho doesn't mean her dad maybe didn't want her dressing in a certain way because of stuff he's done in the past. Yeah, yeah, still stands. Yeah, oh uh, yeah, he knew he knew he was, but he evil. also was not abusing her. So. Yeah. True. Sorry, is that what you meant? I thought you no. meant you didn't want he didn't, he didn't want her want wearing a bra and being overly sexualized, seeing her in that way. In the forest. Yeah, because he knows yeah. what lads do. Because he yeah. knows one of those lads. He was one yeah. of them. He yeah. is he is his own worst nightmare. Yeah. When it comes to protecting his daughter. Jesus, you're getting very deep. Now, can again. you imagine her telling me that in work during the week? I was blown away. <laughs> I was like, Hannah, do you want a cup of tea anyway? I think <laughs> <laughs> that basically, yeah. So that's that was my theory. I thought that was incredibly well put together. Well, yeah. guys, listen, thanks very much. Very eloquent. But it turns out that she actually did actually have a bra all along <laughs> and she was oh, playing all of them. Oh, she did a few bras. Bitch. Yeah. Um, so here's how tonight's episode is going to go. We're actually going to read out some thoughts and theories because we got emails in before the two episodes yeah. aired. 
And I want to give them those people their little moment mm-hmm. because, you know, some of those theories might be correct. Brendan then found two people who were going to shout out. Have you <laughs> don't worry, I have Oh my them. God, yeah, I was like, I don't have them. Kind of <laughs> the room wants up. Who correctly guessed on Twitter yeah. who Katie's murderer was going to be to some level of detail. I'm going to presume they didn't read the books, but it was very, very good. And then we've split the two episodes, the recap between us. We're taking 40 minutes each or thereabouts. Yeah. In a um, round. Yeah, because Jesus, there's going to be a lot of talking, isn't there? I'm there already is. nervous. So we do thoughts and theories first. Mm-hmm. Okay, so these are all emails that we got, guys. Um, Patricia... Sullivan wrote in and said my theories like you guys said none of the lost kids are dead lost Peter could be the um could be Mr. Dr. Hanley lost Jamie could be dead Lexi and she agrees that Alicia put dead Katie on the altar to bring back the old story but we don't know who killed her so yeah that's all good because we actually never learned if the kids are dead or not so that still stands yeah they just vanished it yeah, you're right. You know that, Brendan. Yeah, because there's an evil spirit in the woods. And they're, they're laughing, but not laughing at the trees. And yeah, I'm not raging over it, no, but... I yeah. think the laughing was that they were laughing at Adam. I kind of got that that was... His mother was saying that they were... They were laughing at it you. Wrong and that they were horrible to him. But then why did the detective... There's a few unanswered questions, which we can get to the end, but why did but, the detective write that mad letter back in the 80s being guys, like... Guys, I'm telling you, I think it's not all over. No, it's I so true. I don't think it's over. Okay. He, Rob still has a lot of stuff to deal with. The Shane thing is going to have to come back to bite him. He's still got stuff to deal with in the woods. He's now back living with his mom. Everyone knows who he is, which brings up the whole reason why he disappeared in the first place, which keeps the 1985 story alive going into book three and four. So I think we're, that's all coming back. I hope that regardless of if they were in the books, if Rob and Cassie were in the, the third and fourth book and onward, I really hope that they come back if there is another season. Yeah. I can't. I love them both too much to just say goodbye to them. No, love them. They have to come back. Yeah. I'm presuming they're coming back. I presume they're coming back. Yeah. Hope so. Um, Sue Robertson sent us a number of emails. She got very excited and I got yes, very excited Sue. by Go her theories. So she said in the first one, do you think Katie, who was last seen on CCTV putting something in the wheelie bin outside her house is going down the street late at night to visit Sandra Scully and something kicked off as Sandra was triggered by something maybe Katie is groomed by Simone or some abuse at home and Sandra realised it and is going to tell everyone um and actually, what did she put in the bin and why did the police not check that out? She then said, and I feel Cassie might lose her and Rob's little baby as it's early days. I feel like she's in such a danger being undercover and getting drugged, drinking and apprehending slash jumping on the guy who threw the rock through the window. Fran from Love Hate. Or she may get hit in the stomach or something horrible. Um, yeah, like Alana who is pregnant who keeps getting attacked. That's actually very good. Like I would have been fully Alana. on board with that desperate storyline she also said the housemate say Lexi used to go out for a walk every night was she also meeting up with Frank to give him info just like Cassie is doing was Lexi deep undercover I do believe Lexi and Frank have had some sort of communication or he knew about her at least okay yeah, it did feel a bit. He wasn't surprised when they first found her, but no. then that was never kind of. Uh, mm. I think that there was a lot of red herrings, and I think that it's it. There is still a lot of unanswered questions of whether they're actually red herrings or if there there yeah. is a bit more to the story. I don't know. I, I, I don't feel like I it finished. I don't feel like I had a load of unanswered questions. I just felt no like there was nice one or two. amount. Yeah, that yeah, will nice bring amount. you into season two and in an excited way, yeah. but not like a really frustrating cliffhanger. No, and I. I'd probably be fine if I didn't get an answer to the one or two things. I couldn't agree yeah. more. And, and that's, yes. that's just really good, isn't yeah. it? Um, she also said at the start of episode five, the flashback where they're outside the shop and Adam's dad gives him a sweet was, um, 
Well, as Adam cycled and his dad walked beside him, the camera stayed on Adam's back a bit too long with his dad's hand on mm. it. Then we cut to Adam's dad on his deathbed. By the look of it, he's raging at the dad and won't hold his hand. Almost like his dad is responsible for something and I feel it's more than Adam is being sent away because I don't think Adam will blame his dad for that. Surely, yeah, remember we, we said this last week. It lingered. Need, yeah. It, yeah, there's something going on there. Um, and if the blood in Adam's trainers, is it his dad's? Are they the same blood type? All this sort of stuff. She said, was Jonathan's wife, Margaret, raped too by Cahill? We also spoke about that. And then she mentioned, it was cute that Rob was so into Cassie. And we get to see that in the flashbacks. And where did Rosalind get the clothes and the makeup when she tried them mm-hmm. on to meet up with Rob? Also, yeah. where did the blood in his shoes come from? Yeah, that's yeah. a it's cliffhanger. Because even Jonathan said that he's like, your shoe's full of blood. He meant, And Shane mentioned it again in the graveyard in episode seven. It's back. Oh, I think God. that's the thing. He's the like, shame. you poor boy, oh. you poor little boy, poor little boy. I was like, yeah. fuck. I don't know if that I believe Jonathan. That scene was horrendous. About. I don't know if I oh, believe really? Jonathan. I don't know if I believe Jonathan. He's I like, do, about and what? Rob said he did as he's well. He's like, we didn't see anything. We didn't see anything. And I'm just like, mm, okay. I think it's coming back, guys that whole story two more theories here Rebecca Craig said um, 1985 Adam has the shirt which is ripped but no marks on him what if he wasn't wearing the shirt when it got ripped what if he put it on afterwards you know the scene where Rob present day is in the basement of the police department and he breathes into the yellow Sniffing shirt it. that's like something you would do to someone else's shirt who you miss them or love them so maybe he has a twin I actually reckon if Rob slash Adam is a twin then he's the evil one he's the fetch or doppelganger the theory of the doppelganger ganger is that if you ever meet your doppelganger one of you must die that was told to us by daniel yeah. in the house this week there's no way that his false id would have gotten picked up on an application for a guy that so i reckon something will come out of him and adam and that's a glaring error for me oh yeah and then we've two more one from siggy my theory ahead of the last two episodes is that young feeling is more collect connected to the story somehow Rabbi would have loved that yeah. I'm thinking that Sandra Scully got, got pregnant but instead of going to England she had the baby in secret feelings age would match up and so he's involved in the investigation holy god oh my god does he know about Rob's true identity is that why he's so keen to crack the case something to sus that's for sure that's from Siggy and Joseph said can you guys explain why you think Katie and Jessica swapped places I heard you guys mention it before <laughs> we are not sure like no real good reason <laughs> no real reason apart from that scene where they're sitting at the car and Margaret's on one end and um, Uh, Jonathan's on the other and Simone is there and they have this like 10 minute conversation about pink and and blue being both the girls' favourite colours and the coffin being lined with the wrong colour. And then there's a number of times where pink and blue are really predominant features in different scenes and now that seems to have come to nothing which could be a red herring but that's why we thought that and he said... Uh, just to finish that off, I think that would be awesome if it happened. Also, do you think something similar could have happened to Cassie and Lexi? And that is from Joseph. Do you see theories? Thank just you for your email. Um, on the um, the scratch on the yellow top, mm-hmm. that weird fucking thing that Frank found at the end. That was the weapon, yeah. Uh, the, the, it was curved. The, Am I fucking mad? Why are you on about? Yeah, it was what curved. did you call it? Hold on, it's literally. And it had the king marking. Yeah, the on king. It. And do you remember they kept saying king? And the, uh, there was uh, shots of the the playing card on the back of the bike yes. stuck on with the peg, and it was a king playing card. Then he mentioned the king. Oh, good on you, Brendan. Yeah. Knocknery is, really is, is king. And then um, Dr. Hanley, also Daniel wants to be king. said about kings. Yep. Daniel wanted to be king. There was king, king, king mentioned. And then Frank said it was Sorry, When did he discover this? The very last scene. Yeah. When he sees the wolf. Um, you see, he holds it in his hand and he looks up and sees page. the wolf. 
and that was when I, I got the heebie-jeebies and I went, that's the weapon, the wolf is there because now Frank can almost see what Rob was seeing. It's like... I have watched and, it yeah, twice so and it's I don't a, remember It's a this. little carved stone called an Earl King, mm-hmm. the baby stealer. The baby stealer. Yeah. I do remember this name. The curve was just how they, it's a slight curve. Yeah. It could have made that in a, on the top. I am so glad we do this podcast for these. He wasn't cut, but the top was cut. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? You could rip a top and not rip the skin. Yeah. Mm, But three or four times like a claw. I don't know. Yeah. Well, maybe it's the wolf. Okay, are we ready? <laughs> Will we get into the recap? Okay, so 40 minutes each. I've just had some water. This is going to be 40 minutes yeah. long, by the way. This is in oh, real time. Taking a okay, sip this of the is water. in real time. Okay, let's go. It is 2003 in Dublin. It's pissing rain. Cassie walks hurriedly down Dawson Street. Her hair is up and she's wearing a long red dress. A man is watching her from a car that's driving slowly behind her. She catches his gaze and he motions with a finger across his neck that she's dead. Cassie takes her heels off and starts to run while calling for backup on a flip phone. But next thing we know, Johnson appears out of nowhere and Cassie has practically run into his knife. He drops, she drops the phone from her hand. Guys. Like I felt that knife. It was actually horrible. Horrendous. It was like almost like painful and like it was kind of subtle. Yeah. But like you could feel it. And she'd know where to turn. She knew then. She was like, fuck, he's like, you're. And it was a busy road, like very bracing, wasn't yeah. it? Like there was cars going up and down, there was people out and about. Um, her phone drops from her hand he says if I leave it in you stand a chance there now Lexi or whatever your name is there now and then he pulls an earring from her ear and leaves her to bleed out so I presume those earrings were a gift from him because they were seeing each other yes that was very sentimental that earring pull Mm. Mm. In the next scene, Cassie recovers in hospital. Frank visits her and brings her grapes. She asks when she can get her place in murder. Frank asks Cassie, do you know how many jobs you can do undercover in Ireland? Two. Two jobs, you've got one left. I find that very interesting. Too small of a country. That's it. He said it'd be different in America or Australia, but because we're so tiny, you get known so quickly. It makes so much sense. It does. I completely missed that line, but it actually does. It makes so much sense. And I was even surprised you're able to go undercover in your own county. Yeah, you shouldn't be. You know, is it still the thing that when you qualify as a guard, you have to like go and be a guard on the other end of the country? Was that that used well, to be a you, thing? Didn't no, it? you do. Usually, they send you to another part of the country because you'd know people otherwise, and you'd be like, "Here, I'll knock off those penalty points." Yeah. <laughs> so Cassie pushes for a place on murder squad. Frank caves very quickly and agrees to transfer her if she sees a trauma counselor and passes a psych assessment. Cassie's outraged and said that Frank wouldn't have to do the same if he was in her situation, but he did have to do it, and he said he cried a little and played the part. Now, I felt that scene was us getting more information about Frank. Mm-hmm. That he went undercover, up season two. That he yeah. was undercover at a time. That he has this past. They've started to talk about it. She was kind of shocked that he had to do it. I think maybe he comes across as someone that's always been in charge. But he was like, "No, I started where you were. I did my bit." He tells her, "You be a good little maniac. You go to the counselling. You tell them a story, and you tick them boxes, or they'll put you in admin forever, which is Frank's nightmare." Because we see the buzz that he gets off doing. How he many beaten times has Frank said that he's all right as well? Do you know what I mean? He's not well at all. He is not living in that bunker. <laughs> I am sw- like it's a it's very good writing on the half a ton of French and Sarah Phelps. So there's a character who's not the main character, but you're so excited for them to be the main, even though we love Rob and Cassie so much. Yeah, I don't even mind if they stand aside a little bit so we get to know a little bit more about him. Yeah, yeah. Um. So the next thing we see Cassie, hair back in a neat bun. She's smiling at the counsellor. She tells him just how happy she is to be alive. And she gets a big tick on her assessment. And then the credits roll. Can we just give a shout out to the 
the credit music again. The music. Yes. Stunning. <laughs> Love it. Stunning. It I'm, kind of reminds me a little bit of, do you remember the Demon Headmaster when we were kids? No. So it was like a BBC children's program and it was about this like uh, primary school head teacher and if you stared into his eyes, like he'd hypnotise it. Yeah. But I think, now I haven't heard it in years. Are you but watching? It, 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 no, it's so good. It? But it reminds me of that. I must go back and listen to it to see well, if there's any Well, it's reminding me of something me. and I don't know what it is. So maybe that's in my psyche somewhere. We'll have to YouTube it. Um, okay, so we're in the cottage. We learn that Cassie has in fact been drugged and Daniel and the others drag her inside. Daniel confirms he knew it was Lexi from the kiss. You can't fake how you kiss is like a fingerprint. The group check Cassie's chest for a scar. They spot the old one and are satisfied that the woman in front of them is not Lexi, even though they must be so fucking so <laughs> She's the spit of her and, and she, has, she a has a scar. Yeah, I don't think I'd be convinced at that point. Oh, I don't know. Anyway. Daniel says he knew from the beginning and drags her into a basement room. Meanwhile, at the station, Sam and Quigley interview Terry, that's phone man. He admits to knowing Jonathan Devlin, but denies making threatening phone calls. Quigley calls him my dude and picks it thick and then tells Terry that he kept the same number he used to make those calls. That's Ah, what got him caught. Jesus, Terry. (laughs) Brain dead. He looks like he was Devo when he found that out. Yeah, but like, yeah, he just, he wasn't with it. No. He's not like the level we're used to AC12 now. He just wasn't putting it. Sam asks him to repeat the threat that's a lovely daughter you got there talented too shame if that were to happen to her so they can replay it for Jonathan Devlin but Terry refuses to speak to them without a lawyer and he's led away to the cells Jonathan Devlin watches a video of Katie dancing he pauses it and looks devastated he leaves walks to her grave but there's someone already there it's a man it's Shane and he's praying Jonathan spots the figure and runs towards him shouting get the fuck away from my baby Shane stands up and it dawns on Jonathan just who he's looking at he's absolutely shocked Shane says you're a little girl Johnny you're a poor little girl and it's our fault we raised the darkness Jonathan says there's no such thing to which Shane replies the little boy with the blood in his shoes the two kids and now you're Katie Jonathan then warns Shane that the guardy are looking for him and the call is after him too and then Shane says that's your problem there Johnny you always believed call now the little boy with the blood in his shoes the two kids and now you're Katie the two kids that the means two kids are yeah. Peter, and Jamie. Peter and Jamie yeah but I mean Katie the two is kids Katie. in he's saying it like he knows what happened to them but, but what's kind jumping of. out to me from that sentence is the little boy with the blood in his shoes has to be Adam. 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 Yeah. Yeah. But the two kids no. and now Katie. I'm well, like, I think everyone knew that they disappeared. So yeah, he just knows I know. that they've. I just feel like Shane knows something more. Oh, Shane knows it all. Yeah. Now, Shane saw more than the others did or something. Adam had blood in his shoes. That's confirmed with that sentence that it wasn't just a vision. But we know that he wasn't bleeding and had no cuts on his feet or his back. So what the fuck is that about? I don't know, and we still don't know. Right, season two. We're in the flat with Rob's mum. So Rob's come round to his mother's flat. Um, this is setting up for my favourite scene of the whole series. It's coming a little later on in this episode. Heather's kicked him out and he needs somewhere to stay, but he's being properly horrible to his mum. Like, Can I just ask a very quick obnoxious. question? His yeah. mother must have been quite young when she had him. She doesn't look that much older than him. Ah, she no. does, Brandon. Yeah. She looks, yeah, she looks, she's how old is he enough. meant to be? Say he's meant to be 30, is he? Nah, he has to be a bit older. Do you reckon? Do you think? Well, hold on, 1985, we can work this out, right? Oh, yeah, we can, yeah. sorry. Hold on, 1985, he was uh, 10. 10. So, so he's he, born in 1975 so, oh, and so it's 2006. Like 40. Yeah, because my sister's something. 1986 no. and she's like 32. <laughs> Let's not pretend <laughs> we're good at maths, people. So she's 30, yeah, so he would have to be. Anyway, yeah, he's, he's a 40, bit older. So she yeah. needs to at least be 60. Well, she, she doesn't, doesn't look 60. 
No, good point. Fair play to her. Well um, done. Yeah, fair play to her because he's hard to work as well. Yeah, all that stress she's had. Absolutely stunning. Um, back at the weird gaff, Daniel is monitoring the perimeter. He's come back inside and double boats the front door, attacks a dermied owl and a moose watch on. We see a flash. <laughs> but they do, guys. They literally zoom in on them. We see a flashback to the night. They zoom in on the moose and they use that to zoom out of the moose's eye that's in this flashback now to the night that Cassie's parents died to bring us into a dream oh. that she's having to zoom out of her head to show Daniel watching over her as she wakes up and reveals that he gave her a mixture of ketamine and rohypnol. Ketamine, fair enough, whatever you're into. Rohypnol, <laughs> why the fuck do you have that? Yeah, where did the That's a date rape drug, that? isn't it? That's yeah. a date rape yeah. drug, right? Some people take ketamine for fun. You can have that, that's <laughs> or fine. Or take down horses. Is <laughs> for... It's actually assaulting people. So that is a concern for me. Cassie wakes up and attempts to stand up. She's wobbly. Daniel gives her a bottle of water, but she reluctantly takes it. Um, she tells him she needs to pee. He demands her real name. She gives it up. Detective Guy, the Cassie Maddox. Daniel's been going through her phone. She has some texts from her tutor, but Daniel cops that that must be a code name for Frank. He knows he'll be expecting an answer, but Cassie refutes this. And then Daniel leaves to make coffee she looks for an escape route but moments later daniel throws abby into the room and points a gun to her head justin follows behind he roars you think i'm stupid he won't be expecting an answer tell me what i text him cassie tells daniel to text frank that she's researching and will be in touch in a couple of days now i hope that's a cool code that they've set up i think it is yeah well it is yeah. He turns that's, so yeah that's be. what i hoped for but i didn't think it was at the time i think he might have just guessed but like please have a code word if you're yeah going undercover yeah I think I think he he knew he says to I, her I knew something was up he knew I think he just guessed yeah I don't I yeah. think he just guessed yeah 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 um, Daniel calls her a fucking liar but pr- she promises she's telling the truth and it's all getting a bit turned in that house he is terrifying yeah it's getting up to 90 now edge of the chair stuff Abby then gets up and kisses Daniel she was in on it all along Daniel says well done to Justin and they leave the room it is the most fucked up situation but what is going on in that house yeah a lot of abuse on many yeah. levels. Alone with her ga- again, Daniel corners Cassie. He gets very close to her and holds her chin, just as Johnson did before he stabbed her. And he says, your gun, my house, mine. Then he lets her out for a week. Back at the station, Guy the Feel and Sam, Quigley and Rob, like my favourite foursome I now. I love, yeah. love to see them all together. Are working on the Katie murder case. Feelin says he's got a siding of shame by the Docklands. The person who spotted him recognised him thanks to the description of the jacket, which the jacket is fab. I think it's really cool. Like, I would wear it. It looks like it has a strong shoulder pad. Yeah, I just think it's cool. But it also looks like it smells. Fair. <laughs> yeah, no, and I'm talking about not that exact jacket. Yeah. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I'm talking about, like, the Umbro, like, remake of it. I think it would be cool. Uh, Rob picks on O'Neill. He pushes them for an update on the land fraud case. He then tells him that he screwed Maddox, calls him big man, tries to initiate a fight. Sam shoves him, but Rob wants more. Break my jaw or something, he says. My ribs, I should be spitting out teeth. He's gone so weird Like, now, he's me? just on a downward spiral of, like, I hate myself. Will you just do my head in for and me? And his neck's yeah. not good. He shouldn't be asking for shouldn't that. Shouldn't be at that at all. No. He tells Sam that Cassie was disappointed when she woke up in hospital still breathing. So that she uh, said that Sam was the consolation prize for being alive and Sam walks out. Quigley asks Rob if he's on meth. Then he t- <laughs> I, I love that loved line. That line. Love love that this line. next line more. Then he tells Phelan not to breathe a word of happened to <laughs> what happens in Vegas, he says. But Phelan doesn't know that. <laughs> Phelan doesn't know that saying, so he just looks at him blankly and Quigley's like, Gob shite. <laughs> and then he leaves the room and Phelan looks really disappointed in Rob and in himself. 
himself. Um, Sam's outside punching walls. Quigley attempts to talk him down and suggests they go be a right pair of bastards at Mal and Davis construction. Take, um, tell them one of their own is locked up in need of legal. So he's talking about Terry. Terry. Who yeah. they've just left sitting down there, obviously. <laughs> we never heard anymore from Terry, yeah. <laughs> Ta-ta, Terry. <laughs> Goodbye now. Um, Cassie has a wee and she's back with the group and Justin gives her a hoodie and a hot water bottle. Now, guys, if someone gave me a hoodie and a hot water bottle, that's all I'd ever ask for. I'd be thrilled. I gave you a hot um, water bottle last week. I know, yeah. friends, it wasn't my You were so great. That was really nice, yeah. I gave you one I as well. I got one as well, yeah. I once went to visit my friends in the snow and it was a really early fight in London and I got there and my friend had like a bed made up on the couch with a hot water bottle under the covers and I actually think about nice it all the time. It was one of the nice things well, I've ever done My mum used to do it after me. I came home from nights out when I lived at home. So does my Hot water mom. bottle and thing. Aww. Cute. Um, okay, she asks if they removed her bandages to check for a scar and Daniel says yes. Justin asks why she has an almost identical scar, just a little bit older and Cassie tells him it was a coincidence. Rafe appears. He's meant to be sleeping, but he's getting shit faced instead. Oh, Rafe is getting turned. Rafe is on it. Rafe's been on the bag again. No, yeah. Rafe has been ever, off the bag. Did he ever come off the bag? No. He asks Daniel what the plan is, and he's freaking out. The situation is unraveling, and Cassie is getting nervous. As are we. Rafe suggests they run, lock Cassie up, leave food for, her, and get the first flight out of knock. <laughs> <laughs> like he's Pack lost the plot. Lost the plot. Where are you going? Oh, I thought Daniel was going to give him the cut, like yeah. cut him off there. So I was, was like, oh, he's bullet. a liability. Liability. He tells the others that prison is not on my trajectory. <laughs> <laughs> I will not not be rich. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Daniel says it's best to wait until dark so uh, no one can watch us leave. He's clearly lying, but Rafe looks relaxed. And Daniel then says, Justin in for tea, the poor petty son, go in there and make everyone a cup of tea. <laughs> they shove Cassie into the sitting room where there's one chair set up for an interrogation. And Daniel says they're going to play a game of truth and dare to pass the time. Then he calls her a psychopathic bitch that came in to ruin them. Down on the docks, Rob bribes an old man for information on the guy who wears the road mender's jacket. He points inside an abandoned warehouse and Rob walks through slowly, coming to a section at the back closed off with a sheet of plastic. Now, when I say I was shit myself, I thought Shane was gone. Goner. Yeah. Um, he calls for Shane, but there's no answer. Then he pulls the plastic back and he kind of coughs like at the smell and he winces. So you're like, oh, he's in there, hung. Yeah. Um, or, you know, calls got to him or whatever. We're meant to think the Shane is dead. But there's no one there. It's just a makeshift bedroom. And But on the walls are painted the words over and over again. He rises, he rises. And then in black paint, an identical three long lines, exactly like the marks on Rob's yellow t-shirt. Yeah. Now, guys. Terrifying. And he, like, jumped back. What the fuck? So Rob flashes back to that night. He's clinging to to a tree and crying but Shane is there this time he's telling them it's okay little boy let go Rob leaves the abandoned warehouse and runs to his car that was night time in that scene wasn't it I don't when think he so. was clinging on in to the, the forest yeah because I think that it, it's so oh, sorry, it started the during the day and the kids were there so long that it did turn it was night to time. dark yeah, yeah but why was Shane there that late because they all back. waited, Cahill, Shane and Jonathan all waited and they, they only left when the guards turned up looking for the kids. Oh. Cahill was like, uh, let's, let's leave them, let's then? leave them. And Jonathan was like, no, 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 we can't. How did they not see something then? Two words for you, season two. <laughs> okay, I know. Just like, you know, someone's lying there. Oh, shocking. Back from Mal and Davis construction, Sam and Quigley walk to the cells. Quigley jokes, what do you think Terry's going to do when he finds out and his employers deny he exists? But they never get to tell him because as they arrive, the door to his cell is open and he's being led out by police, followed by O'Kelly in a tux. He almost ignores them and then says, 
follow. They go into the men's bedroom and O'Kelly tells another guard to piss off, son. I Anything more that. than three shakes is a wank. I said piss off. Crying. Also, he looked lovely in a tux. He looked stunning. Mm. Yeah, I didn't recognise him for the first second. He's so different from Vera's in Game of Thrones. So he looks where he shakes his head and then he gets into it. He tells the lads that th- Terry has an alibi for the dates of both murders and that he's no longer a suspect. Now, he is so clearly lying here, mm-hmm. in my opinion. Yeah. yeah. So I was clearly lying. so suspicious of O'Kelly here. Yeah. Sam and Quigley are frustrated, but O'Kelly doesn't want to hear it. He tells them their job is to apprehend the killer of Katie Devlin and Knocknery. This is actually the scene that I said last week. Quigley was wearing a Garda uniform in. He's not, but it kind of looks like it. He's wearing yeah. a navy jacket and like a light blue shirt. So I thought it was the uniform. A French blue. French blue. They leave the locker room and O'Kelly makes a face to suggest that he's lying. And then he kind of checks himself in the mirror and heads off to make his keynote speech about policing modern Ireland and boom times back at the docks. Rob is smoking in his car. He sees Shane stumble towards him and he actually can't believe his eyes. He gets out and tells him that he's been looking for him for so long that he's Detective Riley, that he's investigating Katie's murder, that he really needs to speak to him about what happened in the woods in 1985 and that he's not in any trouble and Shane just stares at him. He's such a good actor. Like you I can can't cope. Like no words were shared. And, and did he lose loads of... everything that he was thinking. Yeah. And he must have lost loads of weight for that. Like his face is caved in. Mm. Rob said, you have no idea how important you are to me. You are the key. We have to talk. Like he's borderline manic at this stage. Shane has yet to say a word. He just stares. But he kind of gets closer to him. And then it dawns on him and you see him and he kind of smiles and he says, Adam. And Rob looks stunned because he's been so cocky little shit. Yeah. He's now living in his mom's house. That was a kind of an issue for me because I'm like, come on, like. Who yeah. are the neighbours going to think you are? Yeah, exactly. And someone's going to be following you or see you in Aldi getting your local shop. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Shane smiles and says, it's you. Now Rob looks panicked, angry. No, he says he's shaking his head. I was so frightened for you, Shane continues. And here you are. Oh, Adam, Adam. Then Rob headbutts him. Oh, that was hard I to watch. I thought it was so shocking. That's just not where I expected that to go. And he begins Would to kick him. Be like, what did you see? What happened to me? What was I doing holding the tree? No, I'm going to punch you and beat the shit out of you. I was so shocked. Yeah. Oh, and disappointed. Awful. And I kind of was like, no, you're gross. Sorry, no. Horrible mm. kind of person. I'm not really, like, I'm not seen as the hero of the story anymore. Yeah. He begins to kick him in the face over and over. And the scene cuts as Rob roars, no. And we fear the worst for Shane. Now, I find that very hard to watch. It's very graphic. Guys, do we know if Shane's okay? I yeah, we, we see do. him stumble into the... Yeah. Oh, I think we, I, we I just have to presume he's, okay, he's alive. Yeah. 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 Well, I, I think, think he has a lot of answers. Obviously, Rob just got so terrified that, like, he's so far in. He's like investigating himself. He yeah, he just wants to find out what happened to himself, and he was terrified that Shane was just gonna. But Shane could have told him. Yeah. That's At least the most someone recognised Adam finally. Thank you. Yeah. I true. Know. For fuck's sake. Um, back at Freakville Daniel interviews Cassie what was your intention in coming to this house he asks her attrition and sedition she replies to psychologically destroy you set you against each other and tear you apart well you didn't achieve that says Daniel smugly but bitch she's about to my main objective was to find out which one of you murdered Lexi Mangan Cassie continues now I just love that she tells them exactly what she's here to do yeah. and they're like well you didn't do that and then she does exactly what she was there surprise to bitch shut them up against each other and find out who murdered Cassie and she does it in 10 minutes thank you next so Cassie goes did you know she was pregnant when she was stabbed Daniel smirks 
Justin is crying. Rafe looks shocked. <laughs> Cassie then reveals Abby knew, but Daniel is on to her and says she'll have to work a lot harder than that. Then Daniel, Ugh! honestly, you could puke. Thanks Abby for thinking of him, for not telling him about the baby. And she says, I'm sorry. And he says, no, don't be. It just hits uh, Justin right then that Lexi is dead and he kind of starts to panic. He asks Cassie if she's contacted her family and Cassie reveals that they don't know who she is, that she's a Jane Doe. Daniel calls Cassie a cheat. She calls him a needy motherfucker and then reveals that Rafe was the father of Lexi's unborn child, not Daniel. And Daniel says that's okay because friends share. Which was one of the most revolting sentences of the entire series. Excuse me. Yeah. Cassie is this gorgeous revelation to drive a wedge between him and Abby and it looks like it's working. Justin tells Abby he hears her crying at night. Daniel tells Cassie that he and Abby don't own each other and Cassie retorts that Daniel owns the house and everyone in it. It's not a gift, it's a noose. Cassie brings up the boy Daniel tried to kill when he was 17 and the pair square up to each other. She then reveals she told Justin about the attempted murder and he didn't seem surprised at all. Daniel can see where this is going and he decides to give Justin up like that because he knows that she thinks it was him so he urges justin to take cassie into the kitchen and tell her how lexi died under the guise of being kind he's like it's hurting you i hate when things hurt you take her into the kitchen and tell her such a fucking prick like absolute arsehole master manipulator daniel kisses justin on the head it's like a cult yeah and the pair head for the uh, for the kitchen Rob drives away from the Docklands, but at the entrance, bumps into Garth Phelan with his heart of gold, who was on the way in to check for Shane. Rob lies and said there was no one in there and that they should try other towns. Phelan asks if he wants the same alert going out with the robe mender's jacket, and Rob says that's all they've got, and then the camera pans to the fucking jacket in his car. He stole it from him. Oh, is that what he... Yeah. Put? Oh, okay, I didn't... He stole his jacket, which is the one noticeable aspect, yeah. the one thing that separates Shane from anyone else on the happened. street. He doesn't want anyone to find him. He doesn't want Shane to be found. Exactly, he, do- he at knows that he's point, Adam. At that point, you know, his, like, his identity was still a secret. Yeah. It's what makes it such a pity now that we know it comes out. Yeah. That everything he did to Shane was, was for, for nothing. nothing, yes. Um, but he just wasn't coping. So... Um, I presume Shane was dead and buried but in the next scene a badly beaten Shane limps back into his kind of mattress area he wraps himself in a sleeping bag and rocks back and forward crying now so sad when I said the tears are falling out my eyes this stage that was just too much in front of the entrance to the woods Rob sets Shane's jacket alight by pouring petrol on it and he watches it burn he's fucked at this point now gone the head I think back at the cottage it's time for Justin's confession here we go it's what we've been waiting seven episodes for I was getting dinner ready and I told her I knew what she was doing. I knew that she was selling her part of the house, leaving us. She ran out of the house and I followed her. Didn't even think about still having a knife. I caught her in the alleyway and I begged her not to leave. She said I should come with her because I was invisible to all of them. Abby couldn't see anyone but Daniel. Daniel only saw me when I put food in front of him and Rafe only saw me when his cock was in my mouth. Then I, I put the knife in her. I didn't even realise I'd done it. I just wanted her to stop saying it because it was all true. That's it. That's what happened to Lexi. Mm -hmm. Justin breaks down crying. I really miss her. He sobs. She made me laugh. And then there was the baby. Oh God. Cassie tells him that she won't abandon him, that she'll speak from in court and that confessing will stand to him. Next, Cassie says she needs to know who Lexi is. It fucks with you seeing someone who looks exactly like you. How did you meet? We then get a flashback to a scene on a bus and Lexi is looking out the window. Justin spots her. He sits down beside her. He calls her Lexi and he reminds her who he is. 
that they had a couple of seminars together in first year, clearly lying. Jane Doe decides to go along with the story, adopt the Lexi Mangan alias, and the rest is history. Did I hear a hint of an American accent on her? Um, like I, I feel like there was there was yeah, more than at that point. There was a hint of something. I was like, "Where is so your you one ex- from?" Can you explain this to me on the bus? Who Jane Doe? Not Cassie. No, he but actually what he met. Alexine, you right? Okay. He, yeah, he. Jane yeah. is sitting. We're calling her Jane Doe. Yeah. Jane Doe is sitting on the bus. She's yeah. looking out the window. Yeah. She's minding her own business. Justin comes in. He's like, "Oh my god, Lexi! He had classes." Last last year, the last Cassie semester was had a been in undercover yeah. as Lexi. So she just Thank got you. this moment yeah. going, "Oh my god, you look like someone in Trinity. You can use that alias. You okay. can be her." I gotcha. Yeah, and it was perfect because Cassie obviously left Trinity by telling her friends, "My parents are putting me in rehab." Justin goes to Jane Doe. Yes. How is rehab? Are you coming back to Trinity? So you could just rock up and like reactivate your old student card, which is obviously when yeah. Frank got the notification at the beginning of the season, yeah. came to Cassie's house and was like, what the fuck? Okay, all of that now makes perfect that sense. But still, how do you have two people that look identical that are not related have you guys or ever, known to um, each other? There's a Facebook, I think it's a TV show. There's this girl, she's Irish, and she, I think it's called Twin Strangers. And she finds people who look exactly like you in the world. I am watching this. So guys, it's it's like, I think it so was fast. an online series. And it's a girl who's Irish and she set it up with two of her friends and they found like people who all looked like them. And it is terrifying. Yeah, they really look like twins. So it's called Twin Strangers. So I think it's possible there is somebody out there in the world that does look very like you. What it's are the possible. chances they're going to be sitting on a Dublin bus, though? No, it's it, listen. It's a it's a book that you know when you read a book, you're like, oh, that makes sense. When you watch it, you're like, whoa, hang on a sec. Okay, yeah, that you've completely cleared that up for me now. Though I totally follow. Thanks. Um. Okay. Where were we? Yeah, I I think I heard a hint of an American accent there. Maybe mm. we'll learn more about that. So back at the house, Cassie tells Justin that the Lexi he knew from college was in fact her undercover. Mm-hmm. The tattoo on her wrist, Cassie asks, what was that about? Justin says, she said, only a mad woman or a genius can draw a free hand circle. Take your pick which one I am. Justin goes on to reveal that he never wanted to move the body. Everything was decided and cleaned up by Daniel. He said everything will be okay and that they go on like normal, but it was never normal again. Cassie tells Justin that she thinks Daniel is planning something and that she needs to get everyone out. She asks where the grandfather's gun is and Justin tells her that he may have given it to Abby. He calls her his safe place. Now, I didn't know if Cassie was lying here or not, whether this was part of the sedition thing or whether she actually thought Daniel might be dangerous. I suppose it doesn't matter, but I think Daniel was going to try kill them all. But I... That's what she says. Yeah, yeah and I... And I <laughs> I assumed that he was going to kill all of them and himself and leave her. The same, yeah. So the others arrive into the kitchen. Justin realises the back door is locked. Daniel tells him that he can't go, that they stick together, that they made a pledge, an oath. Justin says that was all just words and Daniel freaks the fuck out, pins him against the wall. Cassie asks Abby for the other gun. Next thing we know, Daniel has... Cassie at gunpoint. He tells her to shut up or she dies. It's really scary. Cassie tells Daniel that he won't shoot her. He'll shoot the others instead. Four bodies shot with my gun and me left to deal with it and the others freak out. Why did you try and kill that boy at school, Daniel? What had he done to you? Cassie presses Daniel, who's now crying and his hands are shaking. Daniel says he didn't want to be friends anymore and Rafe is like, fuck this and makes a run for it. 
God. Like, Bye. Bye. I don't want to be your friend either. Yeah, like, fuck this shit. Abby tries to calm Daniel Dane. She says, it can be just the two of them. And he shoves her aside and says, it doesn't work when it's just the two of us that never did. Ouch. She cries. Rafe makes it to the front door and he opens it. And there's a really cool shot of the camera, like, running after him, like Daniel's POV. Rafe calls Daniel a crazy bastard. And he makes it to the end of the driveway and into the arms of the guardy. And Frank is there too. Meanwhile, Cassie finds the second gun on Abby and he gets uh, gets her to lie on the floor, tells Justin to keep her still and she calls for Daniel. Cassie follows Daniel into the foyer of the house. They both have guns. He's locked the front door after Ugh. Rafe. It's a standoff. Drop the weapon, she roars. He doesn't. There are two taxidermied heads in the hall and she's on the side of the deer. Mad for cool. a bit of taxidermy. Because oh. it's split. Lovely yeah. shot. Lovely shot. Very well thought through. Daniel says to her, imagine if you and Lexi have met each other face to face. Do you know what happens when doppelgangers meet each other? The world ends. He smiles and raises the gun to shoot her, but Cassie gets there first. She fires and Daniel shot, falls to the ground, dead. And that is the first 40 minutes. Yes. Stunning recap. Like it on is thanks. go, go, go from that point. Go, like, go, go. It's fucking brilliant. And like guards don't shoot people. Do you know what I mean? They like sometimes, Brandon. But very, very rarely. Like it's a big deal. Well, but he had she, she had to be peace. Hmm? Gar- doesn't she like come from the word peace? The guardians of the peace isn't it yeah so they That's don't stunning. believe in um, no we're not like America now where you put no. out your gun for anything but no. I think yeah. in the case when someone has you a gun and they're going to shoot yeah. you're yes, allowed to aren't you absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but it's they very do rare everything to Possible not to do not. that yeah, to, to, but yeah. he was yeah. about, he was gonna he was on a mission now to end them all to be honest yeah okay so will I do we have any do, will I continue yeah, yeah. right okay so Cassie has shot Daniel she drops her gun puts her hands on her head as she stares at his lifeless body officers arrive at the Trinner's Manor Rafe is hyperventilating in the back of a squad car while Abigail is bawling crying as she's escorted from the creepy house Justin thanks Frank as an officer brings him to a squad car uh, Cassie is then sitting in the kitchen in the house in her white forensic gear when Frank enters and says that he knew that something was wrong and that Daniel's mates aren't going to Dublin and said he'll process them somewhere else and the somewhere that's more discreet um, because it's a mess Cassie says, clearly traumatised. Frank mentions that uh, she needs to create a spin for her report and that'll be a, it will be a roaring success. He's like, listen, it'll be grand then. Uh, Cassie's like, listen, I made a mistake. I was careless. I should have been more cautious about what I drank. And then Frank says that no one needs to know and he asks her to send him the report before she sends it into the guardy. And when he leaves, Cassie just stares blankly with tears in her eyes. She's absolutely devastated that she actually killed somebody. Elsewhere, Rob is asleep in bed, seeing flashbacks of his younger self, lost in the woods, shouting for Peter and Jamie. He opens his eyes and then suddenly they appear in his bedroom. Where have you been? He asks. Come on, you're always the last, Peter says, before running down the stairs of his mum's flats. Rob chases them. I love that shot of the flats. It's literally up the road from our office. We, we saw, saw the flats yesterday. yesterday. Yeah, gorgeous. Uh, Jamie then tells Rob to keep up. Wait for me, Rob shouts as he walks over glass in his bare feet. 99 Red Balloons plays creepily on a radio on one of the bikes. Um, Rob's ch- run was cool. Like he was running like a kid. He was. Yeah. It, yeah, it was like he Im- was back in time. Um, he chases them and he calls for them in the dead of night but they're gone and just as he's about to literally fall into a canal his mum pulls him back and says you could have drowned come home and wake up son for Christ's sake like that I didn't realise the canal was so close listen I mean I know it's not actually geographically correct but yeah. he nearly was at the bottom swimming with the fishies mm-hmm. and the swans and the swans 
Back at home, Rob's mum hands him a cup of tea and she tells him that he might have glass in his feet. His feet look absolutely fucking scalded. He scaldy. might have glass in his feet. His feet are cut off and there's glass everywhere. His feet are in bits. Um, now, we saw recently the damage that a bit of glass on a barefoot can do. Did we? At a recent thing we were at. Oh, we were at a, par- we were at a, yeah. a work function and uh, someone stood on glass and it was like... A, uh, 14 stitches or 40 yeah. stitches, I heard. Horrific. I wasn't there, was I? I stood on glass once when I was in EOS on holidays and yeah, it wasn't pleasant. No. Not pleasant at all. Anyway, um, Rob's mum also notices that his clothes smell of petrol and burning. So that's because she can smell him burning Shane's jacket from earlier. Um, she asks him. I see. Yeah, I missed that. Missed that. I missed the murder weapon at the end. So <laughs> I missed own. a lot in the series. Um, she asks him what he's been doing and she's like, what does Cassie think about all this? She's gone, Rob says, as he takes a drag of his millionth cigarette of the series. You've done to her what you do to everyone, his mum replies. You freeze them out and you go cold. I don't know how it happens. I had this sweet, loving boy and now you're just this cold, cold man. Even when your dad was dying and he wanted you to hold his hand, you couldn't even do that. I don't know you. I don't recognise you. That is... Guys, Cutting. this is my favourite scene Cutting. of eight episodes. Is it? Okay. And this is where Rob fucking flips and poof, his accent changes back from English to Irish. I loved that so much. He stands Confused up, me. he shouts, and he basically is like, you put me in a fucking boarding school in a different country. I didn't know a single fucking soul and you left me there with strangers. How the fuck do you expect me to be? He then sits back down and his mum explains that they wanted him to have a routine and that they didn't know what to do. Rob, who is now English again, uh, says he misses his friends. So I thought there for a second that he'd actually been putting on the English accent the whole time, but he hadn't. He does have an English accent. Yeah, he was like, because she goes, there's the Irish man or whatever coming out in you because it just burst out. so angry. I yeah. just loved it. I thought it was so powerful and I thought the acting was literally yeah, he's blew me away. Um, and the mum. Yeah. 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 Um, and then his mum is like, why do you still worship those kids? Because they were so vicious to you. Um, she's like, I hated you playing with them. Your dad said it was just kids being kids, but I felt like I felt absolutely sick watching you go off with them and Rob is like listen you didn't like them because you were a snob and then his mum shouts that they were bad kids always taunting him about being little and leaving him on his own in those bloody woods and laughing at him before he came home crying mm. so the laughing at him the laughing yeah, yeah. And she, he was remembering it wrong yeah so she weeps as she recalls begging him to stay home and trying everything in her power to stop him but then he still went and followed them around like a little puppy Rob asks why she's now telling him this and she says because he's remembered it all wrong which really sent a chill down my spine I know that we'd seen that in the trailer and I was like oh my god did the mum know everything yeah. the whole time anyway well at least we know now that that explains the, the ambiguous clip in the trailer oh god I just loved it it's, yeah, it is a brilliant so, scene. So the good. idea that like our main narrator has been remembering it all wrong, that everything we've seen is possibly the wrong way it's around. It's like even when you go out that. with someone and you think they're fab and then when you look back, you're like, they were an absolute prick. An unreliable narrator. Yeah. You've remembered it all wrong. I know. <laughs> um, she says, you're trapped in it and I don't want you to be trapped. I don't want your life to be ruined, Adam. And Rob's like, don't fucking call me Adam. The woeful accent creeps back in. Back. After that gorgeous... Ah, uh, come on. It's a weird accent. <laughs> it is, it is. He's but not doing a bad job. I think it's yeah. been a really good job because he's not fully English. Yeah, do not get me wrong. He's not doing a bad job. It's just a very strange yeah. accent. No, it is, And yeah. compared to his lovely Dublin accent, I'm like, oh, yeah. okay, yeah. back. It then cuts to a stunning early morning shot of the dart by the sea outside Cassie's house. I've really enjoyed the shots of the dart. Like, Same. it's very strange. I'm like, there you house. are, boo. And, and like the, the early morning light and black rock. 
when Lexi was on the Dublin bus, I was like, oh, I wonder what number that is. Now, yeah. do you know what I did see? What? Sorry, Sarah Phelps. Um, there was a Northern Ireland red bus in a, sh- in a shot that was supposed to be a Dublin street. So we'll throw that in with the Northern Ireland Tato. But right, apart we'll from that, it's been, that in. apart from that, it was flawless. And the bit with Fantastic. Cassie running down Talbot Street, I was like, oh, would you look it? Yeah. Um, sorry, early morning shot, Cassie's apartment. She walks in and she's still in her white forensic onesie. I don't really know what to call that outfit. Is it a onesie? Overall. Forensic suit overall. I'm just going to, yeah. listen, whatever comes out of my mouth, you know, you know what I'm talking about. Yeah. Um, and she notices that Rob has returned his keys that she gave him. Um, and in her bedroom, she checks the messages on her phone and hears Rob's voicemail that he left her in the previous episode, asking her to come back because there's something that he wants to tell her. She then fucks the phone, which is a Motorola Razor, at the wall. Hello, Moto. Hello, Moto. I always wanted the pink Motorola Razor. <laughs> Oh my god, iconic phone. Craig's so mom good. had it. Up I love that very flip. recently. Well, you're love pissed it. off. You just flip it off. You're like, oh, stunning. Anyway, it's so Paris Hilton 2007. Okay. Back at the estate, Jonathan Devlin is on uh, asleep on the couch. He's woken up by Jessica, Margaret and Rosalind coming home from the mobile home because they say the caravan is freezing. Margaret is like, the place is a fucking pigsty. It's a disgrace and you should be ashamed of yourself. Rosalind is then like, Daddy, we should have warned you. And then she starts cleaning up the mess. Jessica smiles at Jonathan and tells him that he looks funny and Jonathan starts to cry. I actually found that I felt sorry for Jonathan there even though I think he's a disgusting He's having the hardest time with it, you know, yeah. yeah. Right, someone though, so. Exactly. Yeah. Fuck In the yourself. woods, Rob walks to the spot where he, Peter and Jamie uh, hid while Sandra was being raped. He recalls the conversation he had with Peter and Jamie after the attack. We shouldn't have seen that, his younger self says. But we did. Dirty gits, Peter replies. Jamie adds that they can use it against them and have a bit of fun. Peter calls at call, Jonathan and Shane. We saw your hairy arseholes. We saw you doing it, you dirty beasts. Can I just say, does that confirm that they both... Assaulted the, the both Cahill and me, Jonathan. That yeah. was confirmation. Yeah, yeah. That, yeah. that Jonathan Arsholes. didn't just hold her down. That yeah. he was also but, involved. But Shane didn't. But Shane no. didn't. No. no. Adam tells him to stop. Then Peter gets nasty. Look at you. Want to be at home with your mum watching top twenties? You're no fun. And which then, is also interesting because after the mom said that they were horrible to him, we kind of see that see side that to them now. that they were it's not the, the nicest to him. His yeah. memory starts to change. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, that's your problem, Adam. You're no fun. You're just a waste of skin, Jamie says, as her and Peter run off and obviously he never sees them again probably after that. What the fuck happened? Maybe he killed them. Maybe he fucking lost well, it. he's messed up. A lot of yeah. people have said Big it. Time. They, a lot of people have said that they reckon that he actually he killed blocked the it out. Well, look where he's at now with the mm. beaten Shane to a pulp. Like, he could have easily killed him. Because easily. they were taunting him. And then he took Shane's jacket and burnt it. And this is as a guard yeah. detective. So if he's capable of that now. And he's actually just blocked the memory out. He can't remember. Yep. That, That's why it? I think it's coming back. Mm. It's a possibility. Uh, Rob makes his way back to the site of the dig where he meets the gorge but weird Dr. Hanley who had us at Merlot. Gorge. <laughs> um, he offers Rob a cup of tea and explains that the tank is on the lawn and that they can't wait to get started. I presume he means the motorway is going ahead. There. Yeah, the tank's yep. on the lawn to mow the trees down. Gorge. Yes. Uh, Dr. Hanley asks Rob if he found what he was looking for and he hands him a biscuit. No, Rob says, nor did I, Dr. Hanley replies. Rob then takes a bite of the bicky and suddenly spits it out. A chalky digestive. I meant to pick up a pack of it tonight. Oh, I yeah. wouldn't be a fan now. Of a chocolate digestive? No. Oh. Are you joking? It doesn't do it for me. I love What's dunk? your favourite biscuit? Oh, I, I, you know I'm really weird with like chocolate bars and stuff. Like favourite mm. biscuit... 
Like maybe like a fig roll. Cafe Noir. Ah, no, no a fig, a fig roll. Ah, stop. A fig roll is back at the cupboard, desperation. I also love like a custard cream. I love. Oh, Brendan, no. No, I love the strange stuff. Yeah, honestly. Are you seventy four? Oh, I yeah, love uh, a digestive, a plain digestive, a rich tea, a jammy dodger, a purple snack bar. Love a jammy oh, no dodger or those there, fruit really shortcakes. Purple snack bar. Purple oh snack bar. I love, love a pink them. panther biscuit. I love a bourbon cream and a chocolate oh, digestive. What's a pink panther biscuit? Ah, uh, Brandon, come no, on. I swear to God. Oh, the Mikados. No. Oh. oh. Pink panther. Yeah, they're, they're very panther. rare now. Yeah, they're nice. Very rare. They're gorgeous. They were a staple in my lunchbox. Also quite there. retro, yeah. Yeah, so. It is a bit retro, yeah. So fab. Back to Dr. Hanley. Um, so Rob spat Ashed out the biscuit. Lost it on the biscuit. <laughs> yeah. uh, Rob has spat out the biscuit and Dr. Hanley says, oh, you know, listen, they're a bit stale, but if you dunk it, it'll be grand. And that's when Rob remembers Katie's autopsy report. We get a flashback to the coroner saying that she had eaten a doctor a chocolate biscuit just before she had died. Rob asks Dr. Hanley who owns the biscuits and he reveals that Damien always brought them. Rob fucking legs it. Hours of ridiculous theories in my part. I thought Rob was a werewolf at one point and it all comes down to a chocolate digestive. That's why I love TV. You can't call it. And interfering bloody Damien. Yeah. Oh, Damien. But you know what, though? That's it, guys. And we've seen it with investigations. I know that we like to insert ourselves into TV shows, but Damien was the... And I'll get to this after. Remember O'Kelly last week said it was the first thing you saw? The first thing he saw was that Damien was... Fucking hell. Because remember we said that? I sweat at that. Because we said that. Last week I was like, what was it? What was the first thing he saw? Damien leaning over her body. Oh, good on you, Rebecca. And sorry for a second, right? Didn't I not say, and we all agreed... That's <laughs> didn't you all tell me I was didn't right I? <laughs> no but remember we had a conversation about Damien leaning over the body and oh, I said I've DNA. seen this in previous shows yeah. and I've heard it in murder stories where they're kind of getting themselves involved leaning over the body checking her face to make sure that any DNA on can him be attributed to that can moment. be attributed to that moment you yeah did, and Rob, Rob that, does fair. say that later on and it is so true um, and he, we, yeah, left does we should have gone back to the beginning I of the wanted podcast. to say this now I said Rosalind was dodgy last week but I also said 55 other things so it doesn't really count but no she you did, did and we all agreed that she could be dodgy that she, it was going to be a devlin yeah we did we thought yeah. it was a devlin okay right I mean, probably guys, jonathan though bang on the money if you ask me <laughs> oh yeah we got there eventually back to the biscuits um we then see robin sophie uh the nice forensics lady who actually someone tweeted us orla uh our pal who works for extra.ie oh, she's, she's so fab she actually wrote to me one day saying that she thinks that sophie was in a barry's tea ad Oh, we did say yeah. yeah. Yeah, we thought it was Maltesers, but Barry's Speaking of ads, who popped up? Fuck. What? Carl Mills. Carl Mills. In the fucking ad? Yeah. For Aldi Christmas, Brandon. Sorry, what? He's in an Aldi Christmas ad. It might have been, it's obviously an old one. Christmas jumper staring out the window. He's in an ad. I'll have to have a look back. I was like, how does he play someone so evil and then someone so jolly? Yeah, someone tweeted us a screen grabs on the Twitter. Oh, oh my God. I was laughing. Yeah, I was laughing my head off as well. Uh, okay, so right, Rob and uh, Sophie are in. They're uh, getting outside uh, getting outside of the car, okay? Outside Damien's house. Getting yeah. out of the car. I said that sentence really badly. They're getting out of the car outside Damien's house. I'm just <laughs> laughing about the concept of Carl Mills being Kevin the Carrot because that's what we're <laughs> friends and friends with. I was like, Carl Mills is Kevin the Carrot? <laughs> No. Oh, okay. They open up Damien's shed and they find a car. Rob questions why he didn't look the last time he was there. Rob is just like, how the fuck did I miss this? It was the first person I saw. Like, who had inserted themselves. <laughs> didn't the even open the garage. Um, 
And basically Sophie's like, listen, this is what he definitely used to move the body. And Rob is like, let's start inside. So they call to the door, they head into Damien's poor mum and... um she's like listen I know you have to do your jobs but you'll find nothing here because Damien is the best boy in the world so sad Um, Mm. the pair then head into the kitchen and they pop on their white overalls Rob says that Katie had been kept somewhere because her clothes were washed and dried and this leads them to the utility room we then see Damien out for a walk listening to music approaching the house my nerves like sweating like oh my god I was like is he going to go in and try kill them as well anyway Rob and Sophie shut the door of the utility room they turn off the lights and they turn on a blue torch to check for blood on the walls they scan the room and bam we see a handprint and blood splatter on the wall this is when the door is suddenly opened by Damien (gasps) he's terrified now I thought he was a lovely helpful chap the coolest shot ever because it's all blue lit and they're just standing there in the white and Rob is like like I nearly threw up. Oh. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I wasn't afraid of Damien, guys. Well, I was. I thought like Rebbed, like he might just lash out and kill them. Yeah, they're in a nice little utility room at the back. Yeah, wipe clean. No one probably knows they're there. Do you know what I mean? Because yeah. Rob legged it so fast, he probably didn't tell. Like, I mean, oh, actually, no, he did tell. So, okay, no, they probably didn't know they were there. Anyway, it didn't happen. <laughs> anyway, we just lost <laughs> one of ourselves. Uh, the screen then fades to black, and the credits roll. That is the end of episode seven. Well done. Well done. I still have another four. 45 pages Come on, let's keep it rolling. Okay, right. The episodes just keep getting better, don't they? Yeah, I just need to... Oh, final episode. Sorry, I, I prematurely got rid of a page. Right. The final episode of Dublin Murder Season 1 opens with Rob entering an apartment building where a body has been discovered. The other officers are retching with the smell. Like, retching. It's putrid. Like I think this puce. is my favourite scene of the it? whole series. What did Gillian McKeith call someone's poo on you know, her programme? She's oh, like, it's no. putrid. Anyway, that's the smells <laughs> like there. <laughs> As he walks up the stairs, we find out that it's Dublin 2004. When he enters the room, he's greeted by another officer in a white runt onesie. It's Cassie. And we finally get to witness the moment where <laughs> they first suit, meet. I think he called him. Forensic suit, yeah. white onesie. Me mm. cute. Yes, me cute. We finally get to see it. Cassie's on the ground inspecting the body. She tells Rob, you get used to the smell quicker than you think. She's been here a while, about six months. Neighbour downstairs only noticed when she started dripping through their ceiling. It's murder though. Guys, I spat like, out my biscuit then. They literally fell in love over a decaying body. Guys, they were dripping. dripping. And I loved Joking it. It's disgusting. I know, but I actually eat my biscuit now. It didn't, like, it was stale like Rob's. Do you know what I mean? Oh, I couldn't. Anyway. Um, dripping. She's like, are you Riley? And he's like, yeah, are you Maddox? So they obviously knew of each other before. Uh, Rob says that O'Kelly sent him to babysitter. Spy more like Cassie replies. And it's all getting a bit flirty very fast on. You know, when you meet someone and you're like, bam, you know, yeah. it was there. Yeah. Sometimes you know when you know. You know when you know. A bit of sexual tension. I was like, what is happening? Like, like his eyes lit up like they actually twinkled when he yeah. started and they knew of each other so I bet someone was like to her yeah he's a ride and he's coming down now and I bet Joe Kelly was like she's a looker because you know the way he spoke about yeah. it so Rob was like right buzzing now yeah uh, so yeah they were kind of waiting I loved for it. it I loved that we got to see it um, so Kelly sorry Cassie's like oh Kelly reckons there's no possible solve for this doesn't he and Rob's like well that's why we have the case Um. Then he's going to have to kiss our arses extra hard when we do solve it, won't he? Cassie says. And Rob literally can't keep his eyes off her. She was 22 and nobody noticed she was dead, Cassie says, before it cuts to her and Rob sitting in a car outside the apartment building. Cassie's smoking, but Rob isn't. I thought that was really interesting. That she's having a smoke. I haven't seen her smoke. Really? Only the first scene when she's eating that sandwich. But she hasn't smoked that much yeah, anyway. I just, it's really always him. To it, no, yeah. that is really interesting. Yeah, I think you can attach the smoking to him being totally unravelled. Then 
yeah and that's maybe showing us he was in a much better place then yeah, yeah. so true um she says she thinks that she still has a bit of our girl on her shoe vile <laughs> vile guys rob says dear mum and dad still kind of flirting though. They are, guys, like, this is like flirting over like the most morbid situation uh, so rob is like dear mum and dad i had a great day in work being knee deep in fetid human gravy <laughs> oh my god that picture <laughs> cassie reveals that she doesn't have parents then she's like oh they were killed in a car crash i was in the back there wasn't a scratch on me rob reckons that she is testing him and will judge him on how he responds it's true yeah. so true you want to know if I get in your nerves if I get it wrong your attitude will be polite Cassie says he's quite smart oh I get by detective Maddox Rob says you were you were the own you weren't the only one to get out alive so he's like we have something in common and yeah. that is like yeah when he's like we've got something in common and she goes hello freak and he's like hello and I'm so glad that we got to see that scene I'm so glad and I'm just like they're so supposed to be together they but are kind of make the ending even more upsetting though yeah I know guys they aren't or not like I wrote down this is in my notes a soliloquy to myself two wounded souls who need each other to be whole <laughs> sorry yeah Jesus. I'm gonna sit back up that is a soliloquy it is, but I literally thought that and then I thought star-crossed lovers doomed though now what's like that Romeo other and one Juliet. Um, somebody yeah. once said to me Hurt people, hurt people. No, guys, sorry, Nate, what's that one? Well, she's doing Shakespeare, you're doing Big Little Lies. Yes. Hurt, yes, people, hurt people, hurt people. Yeah. That's Reese with this being a Big Little but Lies. There's some oh, was people. that said in Big Little Lies? <laughs> yeah. I think there's some love stories that people are destined to have, and no matter what, it's it's doomed. Mm-hmm. I do too, and they're the most romantic ones. I know. Oh, God, anyway. Would you have the energy? Jeez. No, God, well, just give me a biscuit and a cup of tea. Right. In the interview room, <laughs> Damien asks his lawyer, if he needs to pay her this is when I was like God Damien like no. he was just taking doesn't advantage of he doesn't get it doesn't get it uh, she asks him not to worry about it and she's like listen you need to cooperate fully with Poor this whole situation because like you're you're fucked like they know you did it uh, back in the office Quigley calls Damien little prick and he recalls the time that he sat with him crying like a bitch over all the mug shots of the paedophiles O'Kelly tells O'Neill to get prepped and sit in on the interview with Rob but Rob is like listen I'm, I'm going to take Quigley because he knows Damien already mm-hmm and also because he shagged his girlfriend. Yeah, and that's not why. Yeah. <laughs> um, Rob asks O'Neill to go to the house and explains that Damien's mum has MS and that there's plans to move her. Um, O'Neill leaves and quickly goes for a quick piss. They're all pissing this episode. Aren't yeah, they? A lot of toilet talk. Yeah. yeah. Um, O'Kelly and Rob are over at the board and uh, O'Kelly's like, a chocolate bloody biscuit, the devil is in the detail. Love that expression. Um, but Rob is like, listen, I nearly missed it. Like, I was so focused on 1985 and, and on the family, I should have copped it sooner. And he, uh, O'Kelly is like to Rob, oh, listen, you didn't miss him. You need to get it together. You need to nail this one down. He definitely is kind of like a father figure to to Rob a bit. And I know later in the episode, he's like, you broke my heart. Yeah. Um, O'Kelly says that he'll call the Devlins and tell them that they're holding someone. He also reveals that Maddox is out and that there's a body shot dead, but that it isn't her. So Rob knows that Cassie is alive and she's okay. In Blackrock, Cassie is at home typing her undercover report. She sees a flashback of the moment she shot Daniel dead. So she is not okay with the situation. No, she haunted. At the estate, Phelan waits outside the Devlins in a squad car. Simone arrives, legs it to the house. Margaret's staring out the window. She stares like, she's terrifying. Uh, Rosalind answers the door and Simone says... Just into the middle distance. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's just like... She's terrifying. so intense. The Simone, woman. I know, I know that, I know that, but like she... It just, they're, they're just so creepy, the whole family. <laughs> I'm sorry, they are. Simone is like, oh, the neighbours rang me saying that the police were outside the door. Simone is so interfering. 
She had to fucking neighbours around me. You know, you were waiting outside the house for any excuse Which to get also in. fed in perfectly to the scene that was filmed really cleverly later on. Yeah, so, so, so clever. So clever. Um, anyway, Rosalyn closes the door over and she's like, listen, they haven't told us much about that, but I'll, I'll talk to you about what we do know. So Jonathan and Margaret are left in the sitting room and she's like, oh, Simone is always here at any excuse, which is fair enough, Margaret. I hear you. Perhaps it's you she wants to steal. I can't think of any idea why she's welcome to you as far as I'm concerned concerned Margaret scathes Jonathan then asks her to stop but Margaret says she doesn't think she can he takes her by the arms which is the only time I've actually seen him be in any way tender or nice towards her and he tells her that it's nothing to do with them it as in Katie's murder is nothing to do with that as in the rape why was the man always around well I, I think she still think Katie d- yeah is that her all there Jonathan is to it I still think that her and Jonathan were up to something probably the yeah. way they sat beside Katie's coffin in the sitting room that day they were they were, they were very, very close and all the talk of blue and pink that's not going anywhere no. mm. everything is to do with that everything Margaret says back in the interview room Damien asks Robin Quigley how long it's going to take and that it was all him that's when I fucking knew all him keep saying he it's was, all me he said it too much yeah. too many times Um. Quigley sticks the tape on uh, and we get a bit of a line of duty style beep, didn't we? We did. Yeah. Yeah, which I was like, oh. Uh, Quigley says that he must have been worried about where his when his mum would wake up. So he, that's how he starts the interview. He's like, were you not worried your mum was going to wake up? And Damien explains that he gave her an extra sleeping pill because she wouldn't have let him take the car. Quigley asks if he then drove to the dig site at Knocknaree, but Damien explains that he was waiting for Katie at the shed. He says he hit her on the head twice. So I got that right. Or he said he was waiting for her. No, I think you're right. Yeah. Yeah. There was a lot of dialogue here. Rob asks if Katie was his girlfriend. Damien says no. Did you want her to be your girlfriend? Also a no. I'm not a pervert, Damien says. But you did like her, Rob asks. No, I didn't like her. She wasn't a nice person. Rob asks if he arranged their meeting. Damien says he supposes, but it's a bit hazy because a lot has happened. Rob's like, for fuck's sake, you get so pissed off here. He's like, why did Katie come to the woods in the middle of the night to meet someone who didn't like her? Damien pauses. His lawyer is like, you need to cooperate here, mate. Because she didn't know I didn't like her, Damien says. She expected everyone to like her because they didn't know the truth about her. The truth being that she wasn't kind, Rob asks. No, worse than that, Damien says. She was cruel. Rob replies. But you must have had some sort of relationship with her to know that. And she must have known and trusted you to leave her house in the middle of the night so you could fracture her skull with two blows from a heavy heavy blunt object. It was the stone that holds the garage door open, Damien says. So he is literally telling them absolutely everything. As he says this, we see a flashback of Damien driving to the shed, opening the boot, cleaning the blood off the stone. So it was planned. You thought about what you were going to do to her, Rob asks. Yes, Damien says. I knew I was going to kill her. And he's like, why did you take her back to your house? What did you want to do to her? And Damien, we then see in the flashback, is he's like lining his floor in his utility room with black bags. Nothing, Damien says. And then he explains that he took her down to the laundry room. He then says he got really thirsty. And we see Damien pouring himself a glass of water in his kitchen. And then she was there. She wasn't dead. She wasn't dead at all. No, guys, I had a bleeding heart. I, yeah. I, I really wasn't expecting that. No, because I just, there's so many jumps in it. I kind of thought, right, we're winding down a bit now. So did he clock her over the head and she survived? Yeah, yeah. she woke up in the utility room. That's why the blood, she'd obviously put her hand on her head. That's why the handprints on the wall. was trying to get up. Yeah. yeah, and she tried to get up and she's blood everywhere. Heart attack. Oh my God. So in the flashbacks, we see Katie walk into the kitchen with blood all over her top. I want to go home and I want my dad. And that was when I was like, the dad's not dodgy if she's like calling for her dad. I yeah. thought the same. Yeah. 
And that's when he suffocated her with the plastic bag, Rob says. Now, I didn't think the dad wasn't dodgy. All I thought there was, I'm not a killer, but Jesus, if she stood up, I would finish her off because I'd be so scared as Yeah, him. yeah, true. I'd be like, Very you're done. Scary. Horrific. Uh, sorry, Rob's like, is that when you suffocated her with the plastic bag? And, he, and he's no, like, just, yes. Like, just make that clear. You wouldn't yeah. actually murder someone, Brendan. No, I, like, I'm not a murderer, but like, if you I was Damien, I got a fright in that situation, I would have like lashed out and yeah. Right. See, he had a moment there where he could have just not gone through with it and been like, I'm so sorry you hit your head. Like, I would have just... He was brainwashed by the most beautiful girl he's ever met. I know. Yeah. Fuck, Jesus, it's terrible. Anyway, sorry. Uh, Quigley then asks Damien why he undressed her and washed her clothes and then redressed her. And Damien says it's because Katie wet herself and he didn't. it didn't seem right to leave her. So there is that bit of remorse. There was... That's... Oh, you haven't watched The Fall. There's elements of that in The Fall. Oh, is there? Mm. Rob um, then asks why he brought her home and didn't just bring her straight to the altar. Did you want to do something to her and change your mind? I didn't do anything to her, Damien says, before Rob asks him if he has a tracksuit that is French blue. Quigley holds up a photo of the sketch of a man in blue from Damien's earlier statement and asks if he ever saw this fella. Damien shakes his head. Fuck. But Jessica Devlin did, Rob says. She saw him ask Katie if she wanted to see his kittens that's one thing we didn't get explained who was we did we did asked for the kittens she was reading her the bedtime story and she was (gasps) kind of planting the seed in her head oh fuck I completely missed that I was like Rosalind obviously told her to say it but oh my god sitting in bed with her and that's how she was sleeping with her every night probably whispering and just being in her ear oh guys I didn't get that sorry Damien then begins to cry and says I'm sorry remember you called it you said that it sounded very rehearsed or was it you oh no sorry I didn't call that I did say Jessica sounded rehearsed yeah well she was rehearsed yeah I I did think so yeah that the man in the blue tracks who didn't exist and that sketch I was just like that's of nobody yeah I mean here are you Sam and Quigley I know yeah no but that they, the way that they called the police and Simone as well they were like Jessica's remembered something it was so weird mm. anyway uh, Damien starts bawling crying again and he's like I'm not a pervert Robin Quigley shouts that that's what all perverts say they call everyone else beasts and they claim that their love is pure my love is pure Damien shouts you cry a lot Damien Rob says uh, you cried when you discovered Katie's body after you leant over her trying to wake poor shy confused lad but you were making sure that any DNA evidence could have been attributed to you from that gesture mm-hmm. trying to wake a dead girl you're a master manipulator Quigley jumps in and says that he cried the whole time when he asked him to identify the mug shots and Quigley's like I felt sorry for you of course I cried Damien said says those men what they do they ruin lives they hurt and break and damage and ruin and they don't care and we go on living or we have to go on living did that happen to you Quigley asks and I was like okay Damien was obviously like severe Severely abused. Yeah. So I'm going on with Damien. Yeah. yeah. Uh, anyone who does that to a child, they don't deserve to live. They just don't. I didn't touch Katie like that. I didn't have feelings like that at all. I killed her because she found it funny. She laughed. Funny? Rob asks. Found what funny? It, Damien says. And Rob is getting so annoyed. He's like, if you had that conversation, you would have had a relationship with her in order for her to come out in the middle of the night and take the biscuit. What was happening between her taking the biscuit and you hit you hitting her? She must have relaxed because she turned her back on you when you hit her. Um, and Rob's like, what were you talking about? And he's like, I don't know. It's hazy. Rob's like, was there someone else there with you? And he's like, no, it was all me. And Rob's like, well, you were very, very quick to tell us that it was all you. He kept saying, it's all me. It was all me. And what? Oh, sorry. Um, and he's like, you're used to taking care and protecting people. Who are you protecting now? And Damien says that he needs to get home and give his mum her meds. I was like, Damien, you are That's never very like home. a scene from Line of Duty. Do you remember the guy that was being taken advantage of? And he was like, oh, I just need to go home now. And we were like, you're, never, you're not going home. home. 
Yeah, and then uh, Rob is like, oh God, the lawyer. He's like, did you not brief your client? And Miss Hearn's like, yes, I did. Of course I did. And she's like, Damien, I thought you understood what I was saying to you. Also, what's that ne- What's that Netflix documentary? It's making a murder, isn't it? Where your man's like, oh, I would need to go home and play my game now or this TV show's on. And it's like, you just admitted yeah. to murder. Like, you're not going home for a long time. And he didn't seem to get it at all. Oh, he was fully yeah. coerced, though, wasn't he? He was fully coerced. Now, he isn't coerced a different situation, but he's yeah. probably... Oh, doesn't get it. Like, he's not fully, maybe, well or... Mentally, Mentally yeah. well, or maybe has, like, you know, learning difficulties or something. So Damien's like, what do you mean? And Rob is like, listen, Damien, you've just confessed to murder. There is no going home. And Damien then starts screaming and kicking, and he's held up by officers and escorted out. He's lying, Rob tells Quigley as they watch on. There was someone else involved. Rob then gets a call from O'Neill, who tells him that he needs to come to Damien's house right now. In the meantime... Frank heads over to Cassie's house. He's not happy. He says that he told her to send uh, the report to him and they were meant to talk about it first. You want to fuck yourself, that's one thing, but if you fuck me, he shouts. I should never have been in that house, Cassie says. She's like, they killed a woman, they covered it up and we could have just broken them in a formal interview. Frank is like, you need to retract that report and say that you wrote it in a state of shock. We shouldn't have been in that house. We went in because we could, because it amused us, because we got a kick out of it. Cassie says there's something wrong with both of them and now a man is dead and his friends will never ever get over it. Cassie's like, we need to be stopped. We took risks with people's lives and we didn't give a shit. We're dangerous and you have been doing this for way too long. And And he has. I think Cassie is completely right. He has been doing it for way too long. She is. Uh, You're forgetting who you're talking to, soldier, Frank says. Cassie says she doesn't know who he thinks he's talking to, but she's not his soldier. Frank looks so shocked, angry, hurt. He goes to leave, but before he does, he says, those blood tests we took from you, they were rushed through urgent because of your welfare. You're pregnant. Do you know that? Yeah, Cassie says as he shuts the door. Then suddenly the slamming of the door spurs on a flashback to the moment that she shot Daniel dead and she starts rubbing her hand. So she's Cassie's forever changed by what happened in, in Triner's manner. Is there a similarity to be drawn between the way Frank needs his little undercover crew and the way Daniel needed his little crew as well? There's like so a absolutely yeah. throughout this whole uh, there's season, there's parallels between people that have no connection or have potentially never even met yeah but there's all this ambiguity and all these comparisons you can make and that's what it's so good to talk about yeah yeah exactly elsewhere rob arrives at damien's house o'neill is like listen go into the bedroom and look in the box on the desk and rob puts on his blue rubber gloves looks inside and finds a number of polaroids it all starts to make sense to him the box also contains a letter written on pink paper which reads now prove you love me I wasn't expecting it at all. But we still, what I love is, even though when I watched it the second time, I was like, oh my God, we actually didn't find out there. We find out in Brendan's next scene. (sighs) Yeah. So you kind of see that there's a girl involved that he's been pushed into doing it. Yeah. We just don't know who, which is good because you have a little minute to guess. And also that, where we saw that letter there, that was back to front. It was like we were looking through the back of the page and I didn't really read it properly on the first go. Yeah, I, yeah, I couldn't read what it meant and I was like, oh, what's going on? Yeah. Okay. So, oh, we're on to your bit. Onto my bit. Um, a convoy of Garda cars race up a road at night time. Rob arrives at the Devlin household where JE55 opens the front door. Um, <laughs> Rob, that? 
J-E-5-5. Rob asks uh, if her dad is in. Then the camera cuts to the back of the house where Simone, the ballet teacher, is legging it like she's guilty of something. Perhaps murder. And I was like, oh my God, it was like that bitch. Because it just, it it looked like that shot of, oh my God, now we have it. Yeah. Um, Three guards are trying their best to catch up with Simone. We then see flashbacks of Simone and Katie in ballet school and maybe how she might like have just looked a little bit too obsessed with her. Um, sirens are screeching and in the words of Bradley Walsh, the chase is on. Um, <laughs> the camera turns and we see Simone isn't running away from the guards. She's running towards somebody and that somebody is Rosalind. The mad bitch. Um, We then see uh, flashbacks of Rosalind reading Katie a bedtime story about a man asking her to come and see some kittens. Uh, We also get to see more of what was in that box in Damien's room. There are Polaroid photos of him and Rosalind looking very cosy. Sexy snaps. Sexy snaps. Also, that scene of Simone, which we thought was running away from the guards, but she's actually chasing uh, Rosalind. Rosalind is a parallel to... Rob's mum telling him that he's remembering things wrong that you're looking yeah. at the scene wrong it was like she was telling us like it, you know she's not running away she's chasing and I loved that it was so well done it was such a lovely twist it made the twist even more twisty yeah because um, I can't imagine that was in a book that's something that was written by Sarah Phelps yeah it has to have been yeah yeah. Um, so then we see that letter that Rob took out of that box uh, that Red mentioned and uh, he turns it around and it reads now prove you love me um, back to tonight and Rosalind <laughs> so good so good <gasps> back to tonight and Rosalind still on the run lands on the bonnet of Rob's car Simone tackles her to the ground screaming why 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 um, she scratches at her face causing her to bleed Rob, with the help of Phelan, which I thought was so important, arrests Rosalind on suspicion of the murder of Katie Devlin. She is grinning like a maniac. The neighbours are all out for the drama. No, no Mrs. Fitzgerald. I know. I was really hoping to see her. Nathan like, was asking where he was like, "Where is she?" I thought she was going to be like a big character in this. So did I, but maybe they rode her off with the Magdalene Laundry's comment, and we're just like, you yeah, know, you're we her in. Also, she gone. remembered it all wrong as well. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so the neighbors are all out for the drama, obviously, and Simone and Margaret look in complete shock. Um, Rob tells Jonathan that he'll be in touch and when Jonathan tells JE55 to go back inside she just like puts her hand out and holds his hand and they just kind of look at each other and kind of give like a God, like a, just a, a knowing nod it's just them now and yeah. Margaret you know it's oh, um, in the guard of the station Rosalind is being booked in and when asked if she needs medical attention and a solicitor she says yes please very gently um, she also says that she understands why she's been arrested she says she'll make a full confession but only to Detective Cassie Maddox um Cassie arrives into the station. It's late at night. When she presses the button for the lift, the doors open and dead Daniel is inside and pretends to blow his brains out by making the shape of a gun with his fingers. He's not really there, obviously, because he's dead. It's just a bit of PTSD. Um, Cassie gets in the lift and when she arrives at her floor, Rob is there. He asks her if she's okay after shooting dead sexy but creepy Daniel. Cassie says, no, not at all. She then asks Rob if he's okay. He looks like he could burst into tears at this point and he's just like... Not my best. Not good. Pretty shit. Uh, Cassie then says to Rob, you left me a message saying you wanted to tell me something. What was it? And just as Rob is about to finally tell Cassie that he loves the bones of her, O'Kelly interrupts. What the fuck are you two doing? Maddox, shake your stumps. Like He's just like, get the fuck it. We've a murder. Like, we've literally the murder suspect. Do you think Rob was? I didn't. Oh I'd feel like he was about to. Oh, God. Yeah. I would have loved him to have seen that. So, Cass- Even now he's horrible. Yeah. 
Cassie follows O'Kelly, leaving Rob to shut his eyes and swallow his confession. Sam comes up to Cassie in the corridor, tells her to go get her and gives her an encouraging pat on the arm. Rosalind is in the interview room. There's a cast of thousands behind the glass watching, including O'Kelly, Rob, Sam, Phelan and Quigley. Sorry, that's my favourite shot. I love that shot. Of all, of, the, lads all of them. behind the glass, yeah. 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 Um, O'Kelly says he never gets tired of this moment when you, know, <laughs> when you know you're going to get justice. And then he says to Rob, for an English dry shite, you're not so bad, really. Cassie enters the interview room. Rosalind's solicitor. I loved him. He's shuffling away with a snotty <laughs> tissue. And the very first words out of his mouth are, sorry about this, my sinuses are bastards. <laughs> he says that he's tried to advise Rosalind, uh, but she just wants to confess all, leaving him to, in his own words, sit here and look pretty. Uh, Cassie hits record on the tape. She's straight in. Why me? Uh, Rosalind ignores that question and tells Cassie that she looks different. Cassie says, I got a fringe. Rosalind tells Cassie that she fooled everyone into thinking there was abuse going on in her house, says she was relieved when Cassie left the case. Rosalind says Cassie has sharp eyes and would have figured out that Rosalind was the wrong thing. Do you think Rosalind took off her own bra? When? Yeah, like, well, she was yeah. just trying to make it trying out. Trying to make to it be... out like, you know, they wouldn't even, like her parents are so weird that she couldn't even wear a bra. Oh yeah, I think she dressed herself like that because she was like full Amish, one oh one, and Katie and Jess like had a phone wearing like yeah. that. Yeah, no, that was an act. Um, she got it wrong. Rosalind then says to Cassie, "It's not just the fringe. There's there's something different about you." Cassie ignores her and says she was off planning Katie's murder with Damien the night that she said she had fled to the uh, hostel in Dublin. Rosalind then asks Cassie why she left so suddenly. She said that hurt me that you left so suddenly. Cassie tells her she was working another investigation. Rosalind then asks Cassie if something happened between her and Rob. She may be psychotic, but the girl has great instincts. Um, Cassie tells her she's in no mood to piss about and that she's got her audience. Rosalind then turns her head to the two-way glass and says, oh, I know, all the men are watching. She again asks Cassie why she's different. Cassie's had enough. She says, I seem different because less than 24 hours ago, I shot a man dead. And again, a parallel. You have two killers sitting, facing each other. Uh, Rosalind grins killer Cassie thank you for sharing uh, she picks up a Polaroid of her uh, uh, that Damien took and says she thinks she looks pretty in it we then see a flashback to Rosalind in Damien's room he reassures her that his mother doesn't know she's there Damien says he wishes she could uh, always stay Rosalind says that she can't makes out that she has to look after JE55 Damien says uh, that he can't stand that nobody knows her dad sexually abuses them which of course we now know he doesn't Rosalind encourages that though and says what makes it unbearable is the sound of Katie laughing she thinks it's funny so again tying into the laughing from the woods and them parallels though But like her making that up for him, he was like, oh, it's so awful. Yeah. I'll kill her for you. Uh, we then see another flashback to Rosalind doing Katie's hair in their bedroom. Jess is listening to a Walkman but has half an ear on the boy chat. Rosalind tells Katie she thinks Damien loves her, then asks Katie to take a letter over to Damien for her that night. Katie agrees because it means she's going to get to meet her big sister's new boyfriend. We then see Katie sneak out of the house that night holding the letter written by Rosalind. And as she leaves, Rosalind says, I'll love you forever. I found this kind of, I feel feel like for the whole series, we never really got to know Katie. And like, not that, I know this sounds terrible, not that we didn't care that she was dead, but like, we never really cared about her to feel that, oh my God, that poor girl died. So it was actually so horrific seeing her being so excited. Yeah, of like 
playing with each other's hair and stuff, yeah. yeah. Uh, back in the interview room, Rosalind tells Cassie that she told Damien to keep Katie at his place for a day to give her parents hope. She was like, it's the hope that kills. Cassie quickly corrects her and says, blunt force trauma and suffocation kill. Rosalind says, well, if you're going to be pedantic. Um, she says her dad suspected that she had something to do with Katie's death, uh, says that not only did he never sexually abuse her, he barely looked at her. Rosalind admits she thought Damien had something missing when they first met and let him think her dad was abusive, says, that she made him a hero, a rescuer. Again, Cassie corrects her and says Damien got to be a murderer. Uh, Rosalind changes the conversation, says she thinks something happened between Cassie and Rob. All the men watching from behind the glass, O'Kelly calls her a little mindfucker and says she's for the white coat. Rosalind explains uh, that she didn't hate Katie, that she hated her parents, uh, that she knew she was never wanted and that her parents only got married because her mother was pregnant with her, says she couldn't stand the loveless marriage, so she had Katie killed to take away the only thing that means her parents' entire existence hadn't been a waste of time. She says they've now been left with the unwanted Rosalind and the defective Jessica which was such a horrible thing to call her. Um, no She's pride, evil. Mm, no pride, no joy, nothing to look forward to or be excited about, no one to love or be loved. Now they know what it's like to be me. When Cassie tells Rosalind she's going to spend a long time in jail, Rosalind mocks shock and asks if there's anything that will make a difference. Cassie suggests the solicitor might want to give a dig out here, but he just bumbles, it's in the planning. And just as Cassie tells Rosalind all her games are over, Rosalind gets this brilliant look on her face and says, are they? Oh. This is the good... What's the name of the actor who plays Rosalind? Leah McNamara. Leah McNamara. Iconic. This must have been so much fun. So she turns around. She I goes, was like screaming now because I knew like, who it was. And I was like, please don't. So I, she d- lads, I was really slow on the uptake. I didn't know where she was going here. You no, know, because she was looking into the mirror. Yeah. Rob had told her too much. Yeah, well, it was in, the that, in the bar, in the little pub thing. In the, yeah, in the, and she was like, yeah. why did you come to Ireland and everything? She'd asked him a few questions throughout the series. You yeah. Know? So Rosalind turns around. She goes, oh, killer Cassie. Did you really think I'd come here with nothing left? And then, so the lads are all watching behind the two-way mirror like hawks. Rosalind leans in, looks right into Cassie's eyes for what feels like an eternity. She sits back and she says, she gets it, she knows. From behind the glass, O'Kelly says to the lads, what the shite is going on in there? The solicitor asks, um, what does she get? And just as Cassie goes to turn the tape off and terminate the interview because she knows what's coming... Rosalind announces that Cassie knows that Detective Robert Riley is little Adam from Knocknery. Rosalind turns her head towards the two-way mirror. Rob is now visibly shaking. She's now addressing Rob through the mirror. He's shaking. Cassie's shaking. I'm shaking. Rosalind says she figured it out when Rob dropped all those hints to her, trying to comfort her on the case and basically gain her trust. Didn't she, like, tap the glass there? Like, wait. Yeah. Oh, that yeah. was... Turned. And, like, he looks like him. He's got the weird English accent. Yeah. The ages line up. So it doesn't take much more than for you to just tell someone that it's him. And then they're like... <gasps> It was right in front of me all along. Yeah. Um, The solicitor pipes up, Dear, oh dear, a compromised investigation. That makes a difference. A very big difference. He says he needs more time with his client. And you can turn that tape off. No, fuck it. Leave it running. This is gold. Uh, Rosalind is now standing up in the mirror, gently tapping it with her fingers, mocking little Adam's English accent. Tells him to come out now. Stop hiding. I found you. Um, O'Kelly looks like he's going to have a heart attack. Orders Rob out of the room and tells the others not to breathe a word. 
Poor Phelan looks like he's just had his heart smashed into oh. a million pieces. His idol is a fraud. Cassie terminates the interview and stops the tape. In O'Kelly's office, Rob hands over his badge and his gun, says Cassie didn't know his true identity, tells O'Kelly he wanted to work the case to be able to remember what happened to them as kids. O'Kelly tells him that he's finished, that Cassie will never work murder again and that any case they've worked on can now be questioned. O'Kelly tells him to go hide and not leave the building. I thought this was really nice, actually. He was like, he he could have been so pissed off and so angry at him, but he was still looking after him. Any case they have worked on can now be questioned. questioned. They work in murder. Anyone they put away yeah. can ask for a retrial. Yeah. And all of the evidence that they gathered is inadmissible in court. Yeah. Like, yeah. <sighs> yeah, it's a pretty big fuck up. Messy. So, O'Kelly tells him to go and hide. He doesn't want him sworn by journalists. Uh, nice of him, considering we know his feelings. Yeah, good point. <laughs> yeah. Um, down in her holding cell, Rosalind asks uh, to see Rob, who was brought to her, despite it being against all the rules. She tells him that Jamie and Peter were never seen again because they were wanted, special, golden, like Katie. He was so ordinary, a reject like me. Rosalind leaves the station in a Garda van. Rob walks down to the basement where Cassie is sitting at a table waiting. It's the very same shot from the opening scene of the series. What we thought... They sit facing each other. Rob offers her a cigarette, but being pregnant, pregnant with his child, she turns it down. She's pregnant with his baby and he doesn't know. Cass- Guys, it's just getting you on yeah. every fucking level. Cassie tells Rob that he's not a reject. Uh, he says that Rosalind probably won't get prison. Cassie agrees that they fucked up, says they were feeding off each other, their festering secrets, says um, she should never have done that to him. Rob asks, is this it? Cassie says she killed Daniel and Rosalind gets away with murder. Rob chokes back tears and says he thought they could both say sorry and just carry on. Like the kind of innocence of it is a bit weird. Um, Cassie says she needs to get off and tells Rob that he needs to leave the woods. He says he wants to, but she needs to tell him how. He then says, this is really it, isn't it? And Cassie tells him she'll miss him very much and leaves the room telling him to be careful with himself. Sitting facing a now empty chair, Rob says, what I wanted to tell you is that I love you. You are the only person in this world that I love. When I say I was sobbing, like the tears are falling out my eyes. Like, he's just so torn up and broken from seeing what he saw as a kid and trying to cope with everything ever since that he can't. They've both been through wait, so much. And I just think what's so upsetting is that like it can never work. Like they're probably, each, like I think she's his true love and like she's pregnant with his baby and it's just never going to happen. Yeah. Nope. That's so sad. Yeah. Um, we then see a young Adam cycling his bike around the older Rob who's now sitting alone in that room downstairs. Um, Cassie gets the ferry from Dublin Port. Journalists surround Rob's car, shouting, Adam, 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 where are Peter, where are Jamie? So his his identity is out. Back in the station, Frank and O'Kelly meet on the stairs. Frank thanks O'Kelly for his cock-up, which entirely eclipses his own. Frank says one of these days he'll be on his knees in a field beside a grave that he's dug for himself. Says to O'Kelly, will, it be, will you be the one to pull the trigger? Tells him that he hasn't got the balls. He then walks off and says, listen, remember to stay hydrated, yeah? Has he said that a couple of times this series? I don't know. I but feel like he has. I don't know. I feel like he just it's says really ridiculous funny. things. Yeah, like, it's, yeah, it really makes me that, laugh. That's foreshadowing. I loved yeah. all that. It yeah. was yeah. like, he's literally like, there's a hundred people after me. Like my time's nearly running out. Yeah. 
I just he like Let's Frank always just gives two. like these little bits of advice to O'Kelly and it just makes me laugh. They know each other. They go way back. Like yeah. their relationship will be tied up and also we'll find out that O'Kelly was officially involved with the motorway or is being paid off or something like yeah, that. I remember before yeah. O'Kelly said in a couple of episodes ago that oh Frank is the reason why some of my men died. So Okay. Shit's um, going down. Rob meets Jonathan in a car park and they share a smoke. Uh, Jonathan tells him that everything that happened in Knocknery in 1985 says he just held Sandra Scully's legs like Cottle told him to. So he actually claims there that he didn't do any more than hold her legs. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, we then see a flashback which shows Peter and Jamie shouting out to Cahill, Shane and Johnny in the woods that they witnessed the rape and would tell on them. The older teenagers stay in the woods all evening waiting for the younger kids to come out of hiding nice and give them a kicking. Um, but the only one they find is Adam who's clutching a tree with the slashes to his yellow t-shirt. Uh, Jonathan tells Rob that his shoes were, this is back in present day, he's like, your shoes were full of blood. He's like, there was a noise like laughing but not. He's like, we shat ourselves to be completely honest. And we see kind of flashbacks of the trees kind of swirling around. Um, uh, back in 1985 the guards turn up in the forest and Cahill tells Johnny and Shane to run and leave Adam Johnny admits to Rob that Cahill got Margaret to say that she'd seen them she was 14 and had a crush on him didn't know what she was agreeing to Johnny says that they never touched a hair on Adam's head or your friends they were just gone I know I believed him there yeah same yeah Rob's not too sure so is that that the closure we're getting like you know. yeah. I don't think that's closure but I don't think Jonathan Devlin knows what happens yeah. to the boys yeah Shane um, does though Rob tells Jonathan that he believes him and uh, Shane Jonathan, is the key yeah Jonathan says that he's made a statement about the rape already to the guards uh, he says that Shane used to say that they'd raise the darkness after what they did to Sandra Scully and he's like well I did end up raising the darkness in Rosalind um, we see Cassie is in an abortion clinic in England O'Kelly tells Rob that he did his best for him in his disciplinary hearing and tells him that he broke his terrible fucking heart, just so you know that. Cassie pours Jane Doe's ashes over the side of the boat on the way back to Dublin. And, like, we still don't know who Jane Doe was or is. Um, So she says, go well, Lexi. And she's totally given up her alter ego here as well. So she's, like, saying goodbye to Jane Doe, but she's also, like... I am done with Lexi. She's gone. Not happening again. Cassie arrives back into Dublin Port. Well, she's done her two undercovers now. She actually well, can't she do can't, it again. Yeah. I think she's just done in every aspect. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, regardless. Totally, yeah. 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 Um, Cassie arrives back into Dublin Port only to be greeted by Sam the man. Um, that's the thing about being a detective. You get to detect. He brings her home. Sam tells Cassie to get some sleep and goes to leave, but then she asks him to stay. He sits with her on the sofa and holds her hand, tells her she's going to be all right. She leans her head on his shoulders. We don't deserve him. Sobbing is like, not the word. Yeah. So lovely. So lovely. He's just, so, he's, he is so kind and noble. Yeah. Noble is a fucking brilliant word for him. Reliable, loyal. Noble Sam and they'd have such a great relationship and be such a great couple, but I just he'll, he'll like, never be enough for her. No, her and she has a wild Rob streak. Are supposed to, yeah, it's like Carrie and Aiden oh. and Sex in the City and Big comes back in. It is Rob Aiden, is big. yeah. And we can tell now that Sam will look after her and he'll get her over this trauma. And as soon as she's okay again, she'll be gone. I'm telling you now. Yeah. 
Um, back at the woods, work is now flying on the motorway. Rob pulls up in his car to have a look. Frank already there. You poor little bastard, Adam, he says. Oh my God. Like, so inappropriate. Yeah. <laughs> Rob suggests that the uh, disciplinary lads are sending him off to a quiet station down the country. Like, sorry, would you not be absolutely fired? Fired to bits. I'm, yeah. I could be, sorry, he'd have to be cut. Of course he'd have to be cooked. Cook. Yeah, you wouldn't be you kept tell on. tell me he's down in Wexford. Like, For the so amount of murderers that might have got out of prison alone over his fuck up. Yeah. yeah. Like I might have accepted that Cassie wouldn't have gotten fired. Yeah. But come on. There's also no. the police force's fuck and up as well. Also, sorry, not only would you get fired, like surely pervert the course of justice like prison, possibly. Yeah. Yeah. Please. Yeah. Turned. Um, Rob asks Frank. I'll if, take it though for season two. Yeah, Rob asks Frank if anything's been found at the the, the now resumed works at the motorway, and Frank's like, no, no bodies. Um, Frank did find something though. Hands him a little carved stone. He calls it an Earl King, the baby stealer. Rob looks at him. Frank says, "Just because I look like an uneducated gobshite doesn't mean I am one." And then he goes, "Do you want it?" Rob says, no, not at all, and hands it back to him. Frank wishes him good luck at the arse end of nowhere and says he deserves <laughs> a rising road. Frank looks at the Earl King in his hand. We see shots of trees being felled for the new motorway. And in the distance, a wolf stares across the field at Frank before turning and running off into the woods. So Rob probably did see a... Adam probably did see a wolf back in the day. Maybe. And I love that the last shot is basically like Frank is involved there and we know that he's a big part of the next. Yeah. Yeah. And he's been touched by the darkness almost now in the woods or he's sensed it or seen it, you know. I'm Um, really excited for season two. Two people on Twitter call this correctly. At Chameleon Kama said, remember when Rosalind said she spent the night away from home before Katie was murdered? I think she spent it with Damien and the two of them are involved. Hashtag Dublin murders. How? Did they read? Did they read the book? Did they read the book? Uh, I'm sorry if I'm being sceptical. I'm sorry. Look, this maybe person. they did, but the way they wrote it, I don't yeah, think fair so. enough. Fair play, because I did not see that coming no. at all. At Myth with three S's, LJ0117, Rosalind and Damien killed Katie there. I've said it. Hashtag Dublin murders. I fair mean, play to you. Yeah, well done. Come on. Um, I'm dying to read the books now to see, yeah. you know, the differences. and Straight home you know into the way that the book. books are two different books, yeah? yeah. First one's all about uh, Into the Rob and the like. Second one's all about Cassie. Do you think there was an actual love story in the books? Yeah. Or do you think that Sarah Phelps, that was her way of kind of tying them know. together? I think there was a love story. I think there was a baby. I think the books are tied together to an extent, but just not as intertwined. Yeah, yeah. so true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'm dying to read them. I can't wait. Dying to talk to Sarah Phelps. Yeah, dying is that to talk to Sarah Phelps? Is that confirmed? That's confirmed. Okay, guys. So Sarah Phelps, the writer of the series Dublin Murders, is coming on the podcast next week. Yeah, can't wait. I can't wait. We should try get some other cast members as well. Yeah, we'll send a few emails tomorrow. <laughs> uh, guys, do you have any unanswered questions? Yeah, yeah where yeah, Peter who and Jane Jamie. Doe? Who was Jane Doe? What happened to Rob's neck, I wrote down. What happened to Rob's neck? How were the slashes there, but he wasn't caught? Why were the shoes filled with blood? The wolf question mark. What's the the artifact that was discovered by Frank at the end? Who is the he that Shane keeps saying has risen? He rises, he rises. Who is the he? I don't know. Like, Like, I have some questions, but I don't feel like I've been left with my head wrecked and if no. they never got answered it really wouldn't but upset I think the me. whole point is that we'll never know because you wouldn't believe the TV series if it was like all the supernatural stuff 
Yeah. Do you know, maybe we'll never know and I'll be okay with that. But I do think that the darkness and the heat rises and the artifact was the very last thing we saw. One of the last things we saw is coming back into it. And I think Frank might get involved a little bit there. Love Frank so much. Yeah, me too. Absolutely. Uh, I also wrote down, will Cassie and Rob ever be together? I don't know. I hope so. I think so. But after what he did to Shane... Like, you know, the way you yeah, see... Yeah, I just yeah. didn't like that. Also, obviously. the way he treated her. Obviously. I know that he was having, like, his own issues with what happened to him as a kid and everything. And But the way... I've never seen them happy together, only them flirting at the very start in 2004. Yeah, That's not that a healthy scene. relationship. Their sex scene was really happy, though. Yeah, yeah, when we saw the little flashback. Little flashback. Yeah. Like, yeah, I don't think there's issues in their relationship. I think the issues were external. Like, if nothing was going on in the woods. Oh, and they met. And they, and they were on another case. I think it would be fine. Like, I don't think they're imperfect for each other. I just think Rob is fucked up. And so is she, but in a different way. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I just wrote down, will they ever be together? I think oh they God, might will be. Will he ever find out that she was pregnant? That will destroy him. Yeah, see that that's that's you know that's another reason yeah. why it's a issue. Finishing a series like that, you've so lovely little threads that you can tie into another mm. season or two or three that we're dying to hear about. And all the acting in this was phenomenal. It got better every week in terms of the storyline. I know that I think with a story like this, there's so many layers, there's so many themes, there's so much going on. It does feel very satisfying that it's been wrapped up into an imperfect bow yeah because no like no one's story is perfect yeah know? i was okay. just blown away by the whole thing i just loved it yeah it's been a blast the last it four weeks that we've had really thoroughly 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 enjoyed it so i can't believe it's over I know. And thanks to everyone who's listened and thank you sarah phelps and to all the cast yeah. and crew and production companies Seriously. who made it because this is tv that we needed this time of the year yeah so we will best thing i've seen in ages and ages and ages same so we will get 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 our questions to, to Sarah Phelps. Um, yes, if you week. have questions, maybe tweet us. Yeah, tweet us. At Shrine Pod, we're on Instagram and Twitter at Shrine Pod as well, or email us, shrinepod at gmail.com, your questions for Sarah Phelps. And if we confirm some of the cast members in the meantime, we can tweet about that and you yeah. can get into us before next week. Yeah. Is that that it? would be stunning. I'm really sad, guys. I'm going to miss sitting here in Brendan's house recording this. Do you know <laughs> what, though? I'm excited. It's not podcast TV, not not our podcast TV, but The Crown season three is getting rave Ooh. reviews. Cannot wait. Can't wait. It's only yeah, in two weeks, isn't it? What would make me feel so much better about this if a season two gets confirmed? I, I like. I would say it has been confirmed, Like, but they just haven't announced it. If they surely. just announced it, I'll feel good about it. But I have yeah. a few of my eye on now. The Nest with Martin Compson, that yeah. looks yes, good. That's great. We know Marcella and Happy Valley are both back next year and apparently Line of Duty season Valley. six back next year yeah. as well. So it's that's gonna good. It's going to be a big year for telly. Yeah. So thank you to everyone for tuning in. We'll be back next week to wrap this up totally. I think we need make, like potentially some time to take it in. And we t- t- like, you know, we talked about a huge amount there and yeah. we'll come back with our final thoughts on the season next week. And we'll be chatting to rider extraordinaire, Sarah Phelps. The vodka's waiting. Chin mm, chin. This is TV worth talking about. So we want to hear what you have to say. Find Shrine Podcasts on Twitter, Instagram and Facebook at ShrinePod.